Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, and we have us, ladies and gentlemen, a wonderful show lined up for you today here live on 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us here on Zingo TV or, of course, you're on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and remember Zingo TV channel 761, make sure you get on there. And also make sure you thank our sponsors as well. If you go on down to our bottom right, we have mybookie.ag. The Super Bowl, folks, is coming up. It's going to be the Chiefs and the slightly almost Patriots, but actually really the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make sure you go on there and go win and get paid. Sign up using the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. 12OUNCE, that's 1-2-O-Z SPORTS. And that is O N two zero O Z. Excuse me. Make sure you go on there, win and get paid on mybookie.ag. And of course, as always, Second String Leather Company up there in that top right corner. Make sure you go on there, folks, and go and get their awesome swag. As you see, I'm wearing their cool shirt. And make sure you get some of their awesome wallets. They have candles. They have earrings. They have watch bands. They have literally everything for you. Make sure you go on there and get your awesome stuff from secondstringleathercompany.com. Looks a little bit different today, I can tell, because, you know, I got the mic here. But we are starting off with a bang here, folks. Once again, bringing back on the show, coming on for a sixth time here on the Kuehl Show. He is our gentleman up from the plains up in Canada. He is none other than the one and the only. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Cody Jansen. Cody, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Tyler. Happy to be here again. Oh man, Cody, it's, I'll tell you, it's a little bit weird because I was just getting into it with the folks that I have like a mic arm, like I'm actually in a studio looking thing, not my basic headset. So we're kind of in a bit of an adjustment period here on TKS. How are you doing today up there though? Oh, I'm doing good. Aside from the fact that it's minus 40 and it is wildly cold, too cold. That's what I was. I saw on World Hockey Report's Twitter today. Of course, Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. If I forgot to mention that, it's it's pretty cold. And I'm trying to think of how cold it ever got because I lived in Lucknow, Ontario, which is about a half hour off the lake. So we got lake effect snow. I think what I mean does it? Well, actually, I'm about to say does it snow a lot out in Saskatoon, but in Saskatchewan, but I'm like I saw some of your pictures and they were just mounds of snow. So are you getting a lot of snow up there too, or is it just cold? Yeah, Adam's in Saskatoon, so he's the one uh, tweeting out the Saskatoon stuff, and Ah. I'd say we probably got a good half a foot of snow up here. It's nothing crazy, honestly, snow-wise. It's just we're we're going through a cold snap right now, so it is not fun. Like, it's one of those, I don't know really how cold it gets there in Michigan, but, like, if you're outside for more than three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, you're actually miserable, and you're probably hurt hurting when you go inside that's how quick frostbite sets in it's wild i'm trying to think of how bad it was because it was a week before i think it was super bowl 53 i think it was the patriots versus the rams i remember that but it was dang near i think it was below zero here in michigan which is give or take about negative 20 or oh gosh i'm in fahrenheit's a little bit off <laughs> it was like every 18 degrees was 10 so I would say close to, you know, it was about maybe negative 15 here, but nothing nearly as bad. I think it got down to, when I was in Lucknow, it got down to negative 30 once, and that was before the wind chill. So I guess I I can say it was one week, and that was, let me just quick side story here, Cody. This is how bad it was in Senior League. We had to drive two hours to Shelburne during this week, and wind was going crazy, and everyone had pickup trucks, which was great, easy to handle on the roads. Here's the problem. 
didn't have a top on the back of it. So when we get to the rink, my pads are frozen. The leather, like, honest to goodness, frozen. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. No, that's a rookie mistake to not put your pads in the vehicle. That's, uh, you well, know, you can you can thaw out the rest of your gear in a good hour, but, like, the pads and stuff and your sticks. Here's a funny story for you. When I was playing senior up in Macklin, so we, we went on this road trip and we were playing in cut knife and it's so cold in their rink to begin with. Like it's, it's borderline an outdoor rink. I mean, there's, it's covered in wood and that is absolutely it. And it's freezing in there, probably minus 30. Right. And so they got us those like cheap. So, the best, so you're saying CCM the best ice in the league, sticks. right? Best ice. Yeah, it's, it's fine. But like, no one cares about the ice at that point when your feet are so cold, it's miserable. Like you just want to get out of there too. Like they they were terrible. We got these like CCM pro stock sticks, which suck. Anyone who's used CCM, like, you know, if, if you're getting like, they're just generic pro stock sticks, it's not going to last you long. And they were so cold. I swear everyone broke a stick in the game or two. Like it was, it was insane. I've never seen so many sticks broken in a hockey game. That's just playing senior hockey because it was that cold. It, it was incredible. Like you couldn't, you had your tilt your visor up or else, you know, it's just going to fog up instantly. It's that bad. See, that's why you can just go with the classic wood. Wood just doesn't snap like that. That's the best part about it. But Cody, the for re- a player. Oh, well, for I guess. Well, I, I play, you know, if I play shinny or if I ever have to jump in a men's league game and skate out, I'm going wood stick all the way. It's the $10 barrel bin over here at Piranis. I mean, that's that's where you got to get them from. Um, but Cody, the reason why we had you on here is because we had a big story over the weekend. And I'll be honest, until Friday, until Friday night, the way this conversation was going to go was, will they or won't they? As in, will the Columbus Blue Jackets trade Pierre-Luc Dubois or won't they? Well, we found out that he did get traded. Big trade to the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Liney and Jazz, Jack Roslevic going down to Columbus, a draft pick, and Dubois going up to Winnipeg. Now, this was a big move for a couple of reasons because it seemed like the writing was on the wall, Cody, because I wasn't sure, but it just seemed like the rift was there between Torts and Dubois. Now, this kind of has been spanning for a while. Obviously, we saw it last year in the bubble in the playoffs uh, during the game against Toronto, and it seemed like it helped Dubois kind of become a better player. But as we saw with the contract negotiations, Torts was going to be an issue. And then we saw it come to fruition last Thursday when he got benched in the first period against Tampa. Has this been something between Dubois and, Dubois and Torts that's just been growing and it's finally boiled over to the point where they had to trade him, they had no other choice? I think so. And as much as, you know, in his post uh, or leaving Columbus press or how he said that, Hey, you know, it wasn't just mine and towards his differences, you know, obviously they didn't see eye to eye, obviously, you know, towards er, Columbus's system is not ideal for someone who wants to provide offense. So it's really tough to see where the issues went. I mean, he had what, 10 points in 10 playoff games, you know, He's a, he's a good player. He played good, meaningful hockey. He played his best when games meant the most. So you got to give him some credit there. I think the biggest thing, and I mean, this is total speculation here, but does this not sound like a player who is coming up upon his UFA status? He sees what these guys are getting paid. He wants to make the big bucks and he knows that points pay. The more points you have, the more you're going to get paid. That's as much as you can use all these analytics nowadays everyone knows points get paid 
And so for Dubois, he's thinking, hey, get me out of this system. Get me to a place where, yeah, I'm going to be able to sacrifice some of my defensive game. He's a big centerman, too. He's, what, six foot three and 22 years old. You know, if he gets to a spot where he can play a big role and put up good points, that's going to get him paid. I mean, he's going to be a huge target come free agency, and he's going to be making, in a normal economy, probably eight, nine plus, maybe more. That's how valuable this guy is. It's going to be tough, though, Cody, because this is why I've been just pounding home with contract negotiations, and it kind of stemmed with Mark Matthew Barzell taking a while to get his contract done. Is yes, though, every player is going to. There's going to be a lot of guys going to be worth nine, nine and a half million dollars. However, with this flat cap being around for the foreseeable future, it's going to make it really tough for these guys because I I don't see how there can be a guy that can make nine and a half million dollars, especially with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I guess they're contract situation is getting better with the I guess the less and less defensemen that they're going to be there because they had to pay a lot of guys a lot of big money on that back end but I for me the thing with Dubois and you mentioned and I forget if it was you or if it was Adam that posted it on Twitter they posted of course I think everyone saw the shift before he got benched because that's that right there I think was the deal breaker for the Columbus Blue Jack and for at least for John Tortorella because remember, he didn't play a whole lot the game before. And I was like, Torch, you bench him. What are you doing? He's like, you'll know when I bench him. And, and, you know, you talk about a guy in a contract year, and I get it. You know, Columbus doesn't have that big high-flying offensive system. But if you're not trying, you're not going to be able to put up points. And that's what happened on the one shift, that dreaded shift in that first period against Tampa. And that's what ended up having him sit the rest of the game. And, you know, a lot of people were pointing at Torts beforehand, but then you watch the film and you watch that play and you're like, okay, Torts has a point, you know, do you have to point the finger and saying Dubois, you know, what is this? I mean, if you want to get paid like you want to, you got to put something more on the ice than you are putting there right now. I mean, is this, is this Torts fault for being too hard on him or is it Dubois for not stepping up when he needs to? No, Dubois was terrible. And I mean, like, that's, I, I think he would self admit, like, I think pretty sure he did, like, hey, I need to be better. But, like, he was checked out at that point. He did not care at all. And that's kind of the point where, you know, he's under contract for two more years. And I believe that walks him to RFA still. I don't believe that gets him to UFA. So then, say, he takes a one year deal again in Winnipeg, probably gets paid a good amount. I would say you're looking in that at least seven to $8 million range. And that'll walk him to UFA. I believe my numbers are right off the top of my head. Then he's going to be looking because I I know it's a flat cap. I know you, I mean, you totally hit the nail on the head in the next couple of years. I don't think we're going to see it up. And now we're talking three, four years down the road. If he's to sign a six, seven year deal, you know, they, they can definitely shape that contract where later on he's going to be making 11, 12 plus. Maybe it doesn't start off like that, like uh, you know, the, the first couple of years, how it's structured. But yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big centerman with potential, and I get it. How he went out in Columbus is sour. That shift was pathetic. There's, you know, it's a it's a heinous effort by a professional hockey player making five million dollars. But the writing was on the wall. He wanted out. Kekline and his value was just going down. And I think they had to get this deal done before Winnipeg pulled the you know the trade off the table essentially. Yeah, it, and looking at it from the Winnipeg side, you lose Patrick Line and Rosovic. Rosovic just signing for a little over $1.8 million today, AAV, as I saw my good friends at catfriendly.com, where I literally get all of my information for contracts. I'm pretty sure almost everyone does at this point, uh, signing for a two-year contract worth the annual $1.8, a little over $1.8 million. 
who wins this trade, Cody? Because I look at this and I'm like, okay, they get Dubois. And yeah, right now, look at Winnipeg center's depth. Holy cow. I mean, you have Shifley. You're going to have Dubois. There's a lot down the middle. But you lose a guy like Line A, and I get it, Line A on the Fritz. I mean, we had, you know, shoot, we had Ken Weeb a couple weeks ago, and he says it may not happen. Same thing with Rozovic. It may not happen just because, you know, of co- you know, just because of the restrictions and travel and whatnot. And, you know, Line A wants to play to make money, and he'll step up. And, you know, for the first game, he looked pretty good. And But it, did is that a move that the Jets kind of, cut, you know, Shevel Dayoff said, all right, we got to get rid of him or else he may be a cancer to the team. I mean, who wins this bet, and why do you think the Jets had to get rid of Line A now? Well, I'll tell you who wins is whoever actually gets that player signed. I mean, if Line A signs in Columbus, they win. If Pierre-Luc Dubois signs an extension in Winnipeg for more than a year, they win. That's what it comes down to. I mean, yes, er, Ross Selick, pardon me, was just dead weight in Winnipeg. I mean, he wasn't going to play there. He's holding out. He's got a bad attitude, you know. He clearly, he's, I don't know, is even a second liner. I would say maybe a second liner. You know, he's nothing special. This, this isn't like a, a team-changing player. Patrick Line is the game-changing player here. I mean, look at that first game against the Flames before he got injured. But also, I'm still not fully convinced he was fully injured. Maybe he was just sitting out a little bit. Once he had three points in that first game, absolutely tore up the Calgary Flames. Tried to fight half but of like, them. <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, he had a little snap show. I don't mind that. I like seeing a little bit of piss and vinegar in guys. But again, you know, you got Patrick Liney, a guy who can score 50 goals in a season. If he's going to sign a long-term deal with your team, if he's going to go along with your finished GM, you win the trick. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, what do you need? You need depth centerman. You need something to build from that forward group so that they're not just a one-dimensional team. If PLD signs a seven-year deal with them, boom. They're winning that trade all day long because that's a guy who you win within the playoffs. And Winnipeg's proven they can get it done in the regular season. They can get into the playoffs. Once they're in the playoffs, that's when they struggle. And a lot of it does come down to their forward depth. Patrick Liney cannot provide what Pierre-Luc Dubois does in the playoffs. Yeah, then that's and that is true because... I'm not going to put the Johnny hockey card on line a yet. That, that needs to be, that needs to be, that's a card that needs to be earned. And by earned, I mean, just don't show up for three years in the playoffs. I, but I don't need to go on that rant all over again, but I three years, just three years. Three. Uh, I'm trying to think of how many years I made the playoffs with Johnny hockey in there. I mean, but that's a story for a different time, Cody, but I, I like to think, does this, I mean, which team is better now though? Does this make Columbus a more formidable force in that central division, which I don't want to say Tampa's going to take it, but I mean, it's looking a little bit tighter. Of course, Carolina had to miss a couple games. Does this make them better in the central or does this make Winnipeg who has had some pretty good games so far in this North division? Does that make them look better and more of a contender? hundred percent Columbus. No question in my mind, Columbus. I mean, if you even seen that game against Tampa where they didn't have either of them, obviously, and they still, they might have beat them actually, not just giving them a run for their money. But now you add a guy like Line where Columbus's issues definitely goal scoring. Well, you know, even if he's able to pop, say, 30, no, maybe 30 in a short year is too much for Line. I don't know. He's got two in his one game and he sat out the rest of them. So if he's able to provide 25 plus, just think about it from purely Dubois' standpoint. Yeah, he's a great centerman, great two way player. His highest goal total, I think, is 27. I think, yeah, 27 points. 64 point or 27 goals, 64 points, 61 points. So like, that's not a lot of offense on the grand scheme of things. All of a sudden line eight comes in and pots an extra 20 goals for this team. Plus 
that's a game changer. That's the difference in, you know, winning a one nothing game, winning a two, one game, and, you know, actually being able to put up three, four goals in a game and compete with those higher scoring teams on a nightly basis. Now devil's advocate though, Cody, cause you mentioned earlier, Co- Columbus plays that more defensive system. So do you think line a, do you think line a can adjust that system and still produce points? Whereas Dubois is going into, I don't want to say the freewheeling Paul Maurice offense. Cause I'm pretty sure no one's ever said that about Paul Maurice's coaching, but I mean, it seems like he's gonna get a lot more freedoms to play offense. Dubois will, at least in Winnipeg can line a have that same kind or similar kind of production and maybe then some with Torts' system down in with the jackets. Here's where Liney's most effective, and it's the power play. That's the big thing. That's where he, you know, that's his bread and butter, per se. Like, he is a straight-up power play forward. And, I mean, yeah, is five-on-five, he's going to have to be better defensively. I think you're going to see him extra motivated. But what, I mean, a couple of years ago, he scored 20 on the power play. Last year, about two years ago, he would have scored 15 on the power play. You know, this is a guy where I totally get it maybe five on five, he's not going to be himself as he was in Winnipeg, but get him on the power play, get him playing with Columbus's top guys. I think he's going to thrive. I still think he's going to put up a lot of goals, a lot of points. And that's something Columbus needs. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how both team, how this trade plays out because when you see stars go, which way, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last big one and for some reason the one that kept coming to my mind Cody and you can probably you know correct me on this but I'm going back to 16 when it was Weber for Subban I don't know if there's been a bigger one for one I mean I know Rozovic and there was a draft pick in there I get that but in terms of star player for star player I have not we haven't seen a trade like this like I said in about five years am I wrong no no you're right there I mean I would I'd say Subban Weber is right up there like I, At the time, Subban, not, not, not 2021. It's hard to put Larson in that one. Oh, God. Well, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Well, Hall Larson was a star player for a defenseman that Peters, that Shirelli thought was a star defenseman. So that's all you need to know there. But it's, I mean, it's a big move, and now it's there's expectations. And I don't know if did you see the clip of when they were talking to Kekalainen about it. He said, we end up getting the number two player in that draft. And I'm just like, Wow. Yarmo coming in there with the with the with the fire. I mean, but is is that? I mean, I I guess that's you know Yarmo a trying to defend his decision, but b kind of speaking the truth there. They did get the better player in that draft now out of the straight, right? Oh, 100%. I think that as I said, short term Columbus wins this one. Kekalainen gets his Finnish kid. You know what? They're going to get their goals. I think Roslovic as long as he can play better defensively, he's going to fit in in a good second, third line role. He might provide a little bit of offense as well. But long term, as I said, once you get into the playoffs, I'll tell you, probably 10 out of 10 GMs outside of maybe Yarmo, and probably Yarmo would agree with this one. You're taking Pierre Luc Dubois over Patrick Lining in the playoffs. If it's just a one for one position, doesn't matter. I'll tell you for free who every NHL GM's picking. Dubois is, I mean, we, I mean, we saw it last year in the playoffs. Yeah. They kind of got bounced around by Tampa when they, when Tampa figured out how to win in the playoffs, but you could tell even that series against the Leafs that he has a different gear come with me, Winnipeg Jets, if they can get to it, because Cody, the division's looking a little funny right now. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I picked the Leafs to win the division. I picked finishing second Montreal. I actually believe it or not had Edmonton finishing last because I just don't know if the goaltending is going to be there. You know, you know, quickly before we let you go here, who do you think, at least from what you've seen so far, looks like the best team in Canada? Well, 
I, I don't know. I think you're a little harsh on the Oilers there, and I, I get it. I, I, I you, This here, is not on so 630, I, Shed. I, don't, I know what I'm saying. I know which market I'm in. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that the Oilers, their goaltending is obviously the weakest part of their team. But you got to remember that McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're going to win you 10-plus games just by themselves alone. Like, I mean, like, nothing else that night matters what the team did. The only reason they won was because of Dreisaitl and McDavid. And, I mean, that's even why that game against the Jets wasn't a three-point game, right? You know, Dreisaitl ends up picking it up less than a second left. They win. That's huge when it comes down to it. I mean, think about it. Winnipeg would be an extra point up on them if that one second passes. You know, you've got two super special players. I would say one of the teams who honestly has, has impressed me again, and it just it, it seems weird because everyone keeps you know beating the same drum here, is the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. I like their additions in the offseason. I still wasn't fully sold on this team. You know, were they able to score as much as I think they can? They've got the most goals in the North, and it's not even close. And they've played less games than Toronto. They've played less games than the Oilers. They've played less games than the Canucks. And they've got way more goals than anyone else. And they've also only allowed 18, which is, you know, second or third, I guess, if you want to count the flames, who have only played four games. Right. But I mean, their goals against is pretty incredible. Their goals for is great. Yeah. They, they kind of look like a wagon right now. I know Toronto's up top and probably they're, they're my pick to finish number one. The Canadians, I don't think anyone should be sleeping on them yet. I'm pretty sure my picks are before the season were Toronto. Number one, Calgary, number two, then it went, Montreal, Edmonton. I'm pretty sure those are my top four. And I think based on win percentage, I'm looking pretty good right there outside of the Oilers being behind the Jets. So I'll stick with that. I'm probably a genius. Also could be completely wrong, but I don't know. I like those Canadians. They're they're really proven to people like, hey, you know, we're, we're a serious contender here. We're not just going to get into the mix. Yeah, it's going to be weird. No, I'm pretty sure no one expected Vancouver to be down where Ottawa's at in that division right now. But we have been chatting with Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. Follow the guys. They're right here on 12 Ounce Sports, so you can't miss them at World Hockey Report. That's RPT for the report on Twitter and Instagram. We've been talking with Cody Jansen at Janner31 underscore. Cody, thanks again for tagging along here on this beginning of the TKS. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully see you soon. Thanks, buddy. You're the best. Have a great show. You as well. That was Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. Always a fun guy to chat to. He's he's actually at work right now, which is why we can only have him around for so long. Because I'm pretty sure Janner and I could just bicker along. Because you thought those those stories were funny off the top, talking about how we were talking about how sticks break all the time in cold barns. We probably could have gone good another half hour on that. So appreciate Cody and uh, Cody keeping it easy, so we can get to the the meat of today's show because there's still a lot to get to today guys there's a lot of hockey to be talking about because we're not just gonna be talking about the nhl today because of course we also have our college hockey scoreboard later on after we talk to in the box podcasts and now is going to be a 10-time member of the cool guest club if you will the cool show guest club he is the captain of the five timers club thomas Biondo will be coming on at the top of the second hour so a little over 30 minute span How's the, I, I wonder how the mic sounds and all this. I, I, I'm, it's so weird for me because, of course, we're used to having like the, the play-by-play headsets and mic. And I got this condenser mic before. I got this actually for Christmas from my father-in-law, Chuck, Kelly's dad, who Kelly is in the apartment today. She is listening on, I'm sure. Uh, but he is, of course, it's, it was actually a pretty cool gift because I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to figure out what to do with it because 
I mean, I know how, I mean, I work at a radio station similar to Cody Jansen. So I'm like, I got the arm here over the weekend. I also had a mic stand, but it looked kind of funny. So I'm like, let's just, let's do this kind of what every other podcaster does. And I always like the idea of an arm so I can be more freewheeling. And so if I have to yell, I can pull myself away from the microphone so I don't blow your ears off. Because remember how I have to pull the mic away from my headset? I mean, now it's easier. I can just lean over here and I can say a bunch of explicitives you wouldn't tell. Actually, you probably could be able to tell. But before we go any further, I have to remember to mention to you guys, if you guys want Second String Leather swag, how about get our swag, though? You can get that. Look at that. The Cule Show merchandise on Teespring. Teespring.com slash store slash The Cule Show with dashes between the and Cule and show. So be sure to go on there and get your awesome TKS swag at awesome prices on Teespring.com. Yeah. Look at me. I'm like a marketing voiceover genius so as we talked about we got the college hockey scoreboard coming up here later on in the second hour of today's show however i thought about something doing something a little bit unique because for some of you that may not know of course remember a few weeks ago maybe a little over a month ago now we had joining on us on the show digit murphy the head coach and president of the toronto six and i will say this if you guys have not been really paying attention, if you guys somehow not been paying attention to my, our Twitter feed, at the Cule Show, by the way, hashtag TKS, you guys may have seen us talking about some women's hockey action going on. The National Women's Hockey League started up this past weekend in their, their Isabel Cup bubble. So let's do something awesome, because I know it's only for two weeks, so I'm like, let's give them a little bit more a little bit more exposure, as much as we can. I mean, shoot, they had like 8,000 people watching on Twitch every single game this past weekend, which was awesome. But however, let's let's give them a little bit more love because, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you for the first time ever the NWHL Scoreboard, presented by also our good friends at SecondStringLeatherCompany.com. Let's get to what happened on Saturday, guys. We had the Metropolitan Riveters knocking off the Toronto Six in their first game at 3-0 score. Layla Kilduff, two goals in the game for the Riveters. Sonia Shelley, a 40-save shutout in that one. Great game out of her. She looked really good. I mean, Toronto 6 outshot him. I'm almost double at one point during that game. Toronto 6 looking like they've been there before, despite it being their very first game. Game two of that Saturday afternoon, the Minnesota Whitecaps defend, beating the Boston Pride by 2-1 score. Then you had those goals from Amanda Levier. Doing awesome in net, making 36 saves. Joanna or Joanna, Joanna Curtis, excuse me, Winnie brought Brown scoring the goals for the Whitecaps. Audra Richards assisting on both of them. The Connecticut Whale knocking off the Buffalo Buttes in a shootout. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the shootout, but you got to get wins here in this bubble. Kayla Friesen, the lone goal in regulation for the Whale. Caitlin Rust, the shootout winner. Abby Avers was outstanding. 24 saves in the 65 minutes of action, including three in the shootout. On Sunday, the Minnesota Whitecaps moved to 2-0 with a 6-5 shootout win over the Toronto Six. Guys, this one was a heartbreaker for the Six. You had a big goal early on from Eastwood, the first ever goal for the Toronto Six, but then Connecticut in the second period started to mount the comeback. The Six had a 5-1 lead. Whitecaps come all the way back. Sidney Baldwin, a goal and assist during that time frame. Nina Rogers and Haley Max scoring in the shootout. Great comeback for the Whitecaps. Unfortunately, not for the Six, though. They do get a point, though, in the NWHL standings. The Riveters beat Connecticut 4-3, a very tight game there. Tara Hoffman looking really good, making 33 saves in that one. She looked sensational for the Riveters, keeping them in it. Teresa Knitson, the game-winning goal. Metropolitan Riveters, guys, we'll get to them in a second. They are a really good hockey team. I don't see why they would not be considered a favorite, at least as of right now, they're 2-0. 
Boston Pride beating Buffalo 5-1. Jillian Dempsey, a pair of goals. McKenna Brand and Taylor Winskowski, a goal and an assist for the Pride as they go to 1-1. One and, one. and that is your NWHL scoreboard brought to you by our good friends, as always, by Second String Leather Company. Now, let's kind of talk about this a little bit because the NWHL, first of all, is, I mean, we kind of talked about it a lot with Digit Murphy. This is something we paid attention to a lot and by the way, hello to QLQuest for tuning in here on the YouTube, as I can tell, according to my lovely, awesome chat in the YouTube. Make sure you tune in there. If you're watching us, get involved in the chat. Tell me what you think. Tell me how I sound. If I sound crappy, well, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, unless the mic, like the audio quality is bad. In that case, please tell me. Let me know. So, but the NWHL, it was so unique because I didn't watch any games last I mean, I followed the league. I followed their social media. So I see their highlights, but I never watched a game on Twitch. I didn't really know what it was like. And I've I've watched a couple Twitch streams before. I mean, Twitch has always been synonymous with, with video games and, you know, streaming, you know, people playing video games. And it's cool. The, end, the NHL did a lot of it during the pause before the bubble last year with players playing EA Sports NHL and whatnot. So I saw a little bit, but I just didn't quite get into it. Of course, then last week, last Thursday, when we did our special Riley versus Riley show on the Cule show, we did, of course, we streamed onto Twitch because you can do that. And so, I mean, that's something if we ever do like our own shows, we're going to do that more and more often. But I just remember I was like, wow, this is this is unique because there's the chat next to it. And you can see everyone talking about it, how great the game was, how cool it was. And it was so unique because like Steve Dangle was getting involved and the Colorado Avalanche were getting involved. Like there was so many people just tuning into this and cheering everyone on. And if you're a, like a paying subscriber, you can get their awesome emojis, like the team specific emojis. So you're like watching it and you're being a part of it and you can donate money to like other people. And it was really cool because a lot of that money was going to the league and, and the players. And it was just, it was really, really unique. I, I forgot who else. There was a couple players that got involved in the chat as well. I know the, like I said, the avalanche were in it. I mean, it was, so unique, and there's a lot of hockey to be played. I forgot to mention the rest of their schedule coming up, at least during the, the round-robin portion. Tomorrow, Minnesota plays the Metropolitan Rivers, so the two 2-0 teams going up against each other. Toronto taking on Boston, and everyone knows Toronto versus Boston is such a fun time on social media, and they've apparently the six and the pride have been going at it on Twitter, so that's going to be awesome, at least you know for the social media and the comments. I mean, hopefully the game is good as well. I'm sure it will be the way it's gone over the past two days, Wednesday, Boston will play Connecticut. So set back to back for the pride. Then the Riveters will play the Buttes after that Thursday, Buffalo and Toronto. So you got your lovely four. You got the QE dub rivalry going on there. The four Oh three rivalry. They'll be playing the first game on Thursday and then Connecticut playing Minnesota Saturday, three games, Connecticut versus Toronto, Minnesota versus Buffalo and the pride against the Riveters. And let me tell you guys from what I've told because right now, first place you have the Riveters, and the Whitecaps, both 2-0. and Both 1-1 and are the Whale and the Pride. And then at 0-1-1, because each team got a shootout loss, the Buffalo Buttes and the Toronto Six. So those shootout losses are going to make it really interesting because I, I mean, it's because it's similar to how you see if you're watching the NHL, how if you give a point to, you know, if you're playing an interconference matchup, East versus West, that's one thing because, oh, each team gets a point, helps to their respective playoffs. Now with teams getting both getting points in in the divisions in the NHL and in this Isabel Cup bubble, that could carry along because it's looking like three wins and you're in. Three wins is the safe bet if you want to get into this tournament. I was not going to try to do the math of who how each team's going to get punch a playoff ticket. 
Because obviously, if Metro wins two more games, Metropolitan, excuse me, wins two more games, if you know the Whitecaps win two more games, obviously they're going to be in a good spot, both sitting with four wins. I think after tomorrow's games, I'll have a better idea of what needs to happen. I mean, there may be a couple two-win teams getting into this if there's if the shootouts happen, because as I look back at my sheet, just to make sure I had it right, the only game that was not a one-goal game, the only there's two non-one-goal games, the Riveters being Toronto 3-0 on Saturday, and last night Boston beating Buffalo 5-1. Every other game's been really close, and you know, teams have, both teams have gotten chances. It's going to be a very tight tournament, I believe. And I wonder how the Six are, because like I said, the Six have outplayed their opponents in both the games they've played, which includes Minnesota. They just unfortunately gave up the big lead. And the Riveters, you could tell by the way their defense is playing right now, they have a really good couple of goaltenders. That is going to be a team to watch out for because they're structured all the way around. So watch out for the Riveters. And definitely, I think think the Six can get two wins in this tournament. They're going to go up against a Buffalo Buttes team, like we said, on Saturday, this coming Saturday, which... If the Buttes can't turn around by then, that could definitely go the Sixes' favor, the way they play both offensively and defensively. A couple of good goaltenders as well on that team. It's going to be interesting. I think next week we'll probably have someone on to talk about the semifinals because on the February the 4th and the 5th, those are the semifinals and final of the Isabel Cup Championship, which will be live on NBC Sports Network. That's huge. I know the network is going to be going away at the end of the year, but that's big for them because obviously national exposure, national TV audience, for their biggest games of the year. So that'll be Friday and Saturday. So they'll have a whole four days off. I'm not saying like five days off. No, four days off before the semifinal and final for the four teams that get in. I wonder if they're like, maybe they do like a quarterfinal where the top two teams get a buy. Everyone gets the playoff spot. But no, we are going to make sure only the best get in there. The best four. So there's it's going to be tight. And I think the way these games have played the first couple days, there'll be a couple of really good games to watch and maybe some surprises the rest of the way in the National Women's Hockey League. So tune in for that. They'll be on NWHL's Twitch channel. You can also, I mean, Twitch and search NWHL. I'm pretty sure we posted the link a couple times when we were watching games yesterday here on the Kula Show. So be sure to follow that there. Um, all right, something I pertain to a little bit before the show. If you follow us on Instagram at the Kula Show, I showed that I was alone for to this show. And obviously you can tell that I'm alone because, well, unfortunately there's no invisible person next to me right now. But so the reason why I'm alone today and the reason why I went full scale with like the mic and everything, because Alex, unfortunately, will not be with the show, at least for a little bit. He's not like gone, gone. He's not like never coming back, gone. He got a new job and unfortunately he works during the show. And right now we didn't really find a good time for both of us to maneuver our schedule. And we talked about it and he said, hey, you know, for now, just do the show. by." And this is where he, you know, him and I both came to a mutual agreement that I do the show for a little bit by myself. And if later on down the line, we find a better date to do it, because obviously we can still go live here on 12 ounce sports and the, which is what we want to do. Him and I both want to stay here on the network. If we ever have to go to it, where we just post to the, you know, 12 ounce sports later, and we do our show on a different day on the Kula show networks. We can do that as well. Both. We had the guys at 12 ounce sports be both understanding, but as of right now, we're going to stick with our Monday show six to eight 30 here on 12 ounce sports because we just don't know what else to do right now. We're still in the feeling out process because the world is funny right now and we're not quite sure on what we want to do or what we should do. So be sure to just stay tuned. If we if we want to change anything, we'll let you know. We have the Twitter, we have the Facebook, we have the Instagram. We don't have Snapchat because we're not dumb and we're not getting a TikTok, no matter what anyone says. So just remember that. <laughs> so be like, oh, TikTok would be great. It'd be kind of funny. No. Alex has a TikTok, and that's good enough for this show because I don't ever have to be a part of it. 
So moving along here, here on the Kuehl Show, like I said, we have Thomas Biano from In the Box and also Davenport Hockey Play-by-Play broadcaster Thomas Biano coming up here at the top of the hour. So before then, we have a couple things to talk about. Obviously, we got through the Dubois line a trade. So if you're just tuning in, that was at the top of the hour, which you can catch on the replay of the Kuehl Show on the Kuehl Show YouTube channel and on your favorite podcatcher because we are recording this. We are recording this, right? Yes, we are. Okay. I had to make sure the record button was on the Audacity to make sure it was actually working. I mean, I, I'd be able to figure out a way to post it later, but it's easier on me to make sure that it's recording right now. But a couple of things we'll talk about. News that came out a couple hours ago. John Chaka was fired by the, or not fired. <laughs> he left the Arizona Coyotes before the playoffs last year, but he's been suspended by the National Hockey League for just, you know, leaving the team. It's it's really a unique scenario because there was no whiff of this. Any, there was no underlying rumor. There was no whispers. This just came out of nowhere. John Chaka being suspended through the end of this year. So this is not the season, not the till the 2022 season. This is literally the calendar year. So in a memo sent by the league to its teams, Chaka engaged in conduct detrimental to the league, breached his obligation to the club, being the Arizona Coyotes, and was properly terminated by the club, end quote. That was by the NHL. So, the of course, the Coyotes were disappointed. Excuse me. He was The statement was issued on July 26th that he had left the team. He apparently had been reported a couple days before that that he was leaving the team. And there was just everything going wrong for this hockey club because, remember, there was the issue with the draft pick and what have you and, you know, how he bullied a kid. And I just... And I don't know if that was Chaka or if it was the new regime just trying to quickly pick somebody with the one the the first pick that they had in that draft. Because remember, they didn't have picks in the first three rounds. They only had that fourth round pick was their first. And it sent the whole franchise back into disarray. It seemed like it sent them back like five years because Chaka went in there with this mentality of, you know, we're going to use analytics to win hockey games. And we, as we saw last year, last couple of years, especially last year when they actually made the playoffs, the team was getting better. Now, yes, they got Taylor Hall, even though he didn't do a whole lot. They have Phil Kessel, who's still around with the team, still looking good. But I just wonder, now how is this going to affect the team moving forward? Now, the Coyotes haven't started out awfully right now. They're not playing the worst kind of hockey. They're they're sticking with it. They're they're hanging in there. It's obviously it's really early to be looking at the standings, but I'm just gonna quick look just to make sure I see how many wins they have. They're two or three and one. So they're not awful. They are currently last in the West right now, the Honda West division, by the way, but they're not in an awful spot. They're not totally out of this whole thing. There's a lot of hockey we played. They played six of their 56 games. So I would think in 50 games, you could figure it out. Obviously Vegas is off and running. Minnesota is four and two. Well, we'll talk about them a little bit later on. We'll get to our what to watch for in the week of the National Hockey League. But I just wonder, I still wonder why John Chaka left. Obviously, there was the whole thing about them not being able to get Taylor Hall because Chaka wasn't meeting, they were not obviously meeting terms with Taylor Hall and his agent, and I understand that, but then they don't get Taylor Hall. And now they just kind of looks kind of bad on on the team for just letting him go. And obviously, we've seen this before, I remember there was the whole thing with Trevor Linden and the Vancouver Canucks ownership, how he said we should we should definitely, you know, try to start rebuilding now. But the ownership's like, well, we have the Sedins, we gotta try to win, and ended up putting the franchise a few years further back than they want it to be. 
So there's a lot to be looking forward with John Chaco. What's he going to do moving forward? Is he black? I don't want to use the word blacklisted, but what is this going to affect him? How is this going to affect him moving forward? Will this make it harder for him to get a job? Because obviously it took the Coyotes a few years to actually get to a winning team, to a winning formula, but it was what Chaco was doing behind the scenes that was helping this team get better. This team is not going to be a superstar team ever, but they're going to have the right players in the right places. At least that's what it was looking like. But now, you know, are they going backwards again with this new leadership? And I get it. Stevie Sullivan's in there trying to help out as well. And, you know, there's a new regime and there's this team's supposed to, you know, just stick with the formula that had been. But you can tell something's up with that team. Darcy Kemper's only going to lose his mind maybe a couple more times before he wants out of there. Guys, I'm sorry. Did you watch that game the other night? Took him how many tries to break his stick? And so many times more he's going to be able to take it from this team if they can't figure out a way to get this team back on the winning track. Now, like I said, there's a lot of time left. I'm not going to make any assumptions on teams, but they need something needs to be fixed there because obviously there's something kind of hovering over this franchise in Arizona that's kind of putting them back a little bit from the progress they had made heading into the end of last season. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Obviously, like I said, John Chaka being suspended through the end of this calendar year into 2022. The other news, because this past weekend, guys, I don't know if you noticed, the Dallas Stars started playing hockey. Whoa, what a big deal, right? What a big concept. Well, remember, they had synonymous amount of COVID issues for the longest time. That's why they started so late. They didn't play until this past weekend. But all of a sudden, guys, bang, 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 they're looking like one of the best teams in the league. Now, yes, we look at that very first game and say, of course, they look good. Tyler, they scored seven goals. And let's be honest, a lot of them, are, I believe five of them were on that power play. Poor Peyton Turnage. Someone had to call him to calm him down because he was losing his mind. I mean, it was it was a dominating offensive performance. And that team, of course, was only 3-2 game the next night, so a little bit more manageable. But I think what you saw in that game last week between Dallas and Nashville was a team pent up, pent up aggression. Imagine coming two wins away from the Stanley cup. And I know I said that in the preseason, Dallas is not going to be nearly as good as they were. They got lucky, partially a fluke. I don't know if you Dobin's going to do the same thing he did last year, yada, yada, yada. However, imagine having to sit longer than all these other teams and watching these teams play their games. They've only played two. Like I said, a lot of other teams have played six, except for Carolina and Nashville. We'll get to that later. However, they are in a spot where they wanted to play really badly. And they finally got on the ice and they went full tilt. They went balls to the wall and their offense was just clicking. Oh yes, they got a lot of good bounces in that game. I'll, I'll, ha- I'll give you that. But they were ready to play in that game. They wanted to really play. And like I said, it was coronavirus. This is not the league saying, oh, shame on you for doing something. Now that's for a different team and that's going to be for later on in this show. Trust me, I got things to say to people, things to get at, things to, well, say and yell about. Actually, I have a couple things to yell about, but something with coronavirus I got to yell about later on. But I, I just don't understand what the point of just, under, I mean, I don't want to say, like I said, two games. I don't want to go crazy and say Dallas is going to be the superstar team, but they still have the all that offense. And yes, right now, as of right now, Jamie Ben was day to day last time I checked, so that may affect the offense. But it's a lot of the same team from last year. Yes, you lost Corey Perry, but is that it? You you lose Corey Perry. That's 
I mean, yes, he was a big player in the playoffs because that's his that is his domain, playing in the playoffs where it's physical and you can get away with a lot more things than you usually do. So I can understand that, but I don't think this Dallas team is going to be a cakewalk for anyone in this division, in the Central Division. And they're going to be ready when it comes down to the nitty-gritty. They're going to be a tough team if they can make it, which I said, remember, I said them fourth. And it's all you have to do is win and get in and then go from there. So if Dallas can get in that fourth spot, which, by the way, all two games in, guys, they are fourth in the Central Division because, you know, when you're only one weekend of the season, the standings matter that much. Not really, not that much at all. Even though Chicago's third in the division, let's just laugh about that for a second. We'll get to that here with the Thomas talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, mainly because their game yesterday was against a team that he cheers for, and it was really fun because he cheers for him, and it's going to be great. Coming up at the top of the hour here on the Kula Show, I really like the way Dallas looks. I think they'll, if they can just continue to push it forward, I really think they'll be a good hockey club, and they'll be a tough team to beat. Like I said, the Central Division, similar to, well, preseason, I said similar to the West. That may be a little bit different as well. It's going to be teams at the top teams at the bottom and a wide divide in between them I still think that's going to be the case once everything starts to play out a little bit and you know typically the the word on the street is always we'll find out by American Thanksgiving in a typical season American Thanksgiving will be the time when we find out who is in who is not you know there'll be some teams on the bubble like on the outside for that final wild card spot but we'll see the teams that you know top three in the division by American Thanksgiving they'll be in the playoffs well, obviously, we're a little bit past Thanksgiving, both American and Canadian, so we can't say, oh, hey, this team's there in November. They'll be ready for the playoffs. The Because that's about the quarter mark of the season. So what I've been trying to tell people is, how do you know when a team's going to be a playoff team? And to that, I say Valentine's Day. That's going to be a good guesstimate on what where teams are at. Like I said, some teams can get on hot streaks and kind of turn things around. But some teams can also fall off. I get that. And there'll be teams around that third, you know, third, fourth, and fifth spots. But if you see a team at one and two around Valentine's Day, I think you'll really be able to say, I'm like, all right, this team's going to be in the playoffs. Unlo- I mean, now granted, yes, there may be a two-point difference between first and fifth in some of these divisions if these shootouts and overtimes keep happening. But I, like I said, that's why I give it a little bit more than a month actually like a month and a day, actually, the fact that they started in mid-January, but I'll say February 14th just to be on the safe side. It may be March 1st. It may be my birthday, February 22nd. Just letting you all know if you feel like sending gifts because I like gifts. I like giving gifts too. I got my wife a really cool gift for our anniversary, which is coming up. I mean, well, pardon me, our quarter anniversary, which is It'll be February 28th slash March 1st, because remember, we got married on Leap Day, so we technically don't have our anniversary until 2024, but we're going to celebrate it anyways, because I have no choice. <laughs> but it, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. So yeah, around towards the mid to end of February is when we'll get the idea of what the playoff picture is going to look like for the most part. So it'll be quite interesting to see how we go from there. Next on the list, let's look at let's look at a couple injuries. We mentioned Jamie Ben currently day to day with a lower body injury, also day to day with a lower body injury. Cam Talbot of the Minnesota Wild. That's why I saw Capo Kakinen play last night for the Minnesota Wild. He now Capo Kakinen is a really good goaltending prospect, so I'm not going to count him out. Because remember when Alex Stalock said he wasn't going to play, currently he's on the COVID list for the Minnesota Wild. 
I don't know if that means he's actually got COVID or not, but excuse me. See, so actually can burp away from the microphone now, so you just won't hear this bleh into your ear, so you're welcome. Or what? I mean, you're going to watch me burp if you're watching on 12 Ounce Sports or on the Kula Show on the replay that comes up on Tuesday. But regardless, the Minnesota Wild, they're like I said, they're second in that central right now. And like I said, it's really early, but they're four and two. They're looking confident. And let me just take a quick, let me click, because I didn't pull up their schedule because I just didn't quite think about it. They're going to be second in the West right now, not the Central Division. They're behind Minnesota. You have St. Louis right behind them with seven points, three, two, and one. Like I said, way early to be saying, oh, this is a playoff team. But I like looking at their games they've played. They played two tough games against San Jose, had a couple of real nail nail biters against the Ducks. So I'm not going to say that this team is a superstar team. Of course, they lost to San Jose last night. But they're... They're a good hockey team. And of course, they beat Los Angeles. I mean, this team is this team is in a good spot in terms of playing well. Like I said, this division favors them almost because of the California teams. Now, yes, Anaheim's beaten a couple teams. San Jose was able to get the betterment of the Coyotes. The California teams will look, they'll be more competitive this year. In the long run, I don't see them having any chance. Now, yes, we saw the goal by Brent Burns last night, a highlight real goal to help them in their game last night against Colorado, but I, I just, I look at this team and I just say to myself, wow, what makes Minnesota tick? Because remember, I joked about it. This is always a team. They made it to the qualifying round and they still lost to Vancouver. They'll lose in the first round in five games. That's all they ever do in Minnesota. Well, while that is true, while there is merit to that statement, this is a division where they can be competitive in. Now, yes, like I said, if you look at the top four that I picked, I picked Vegas, I picked Colorado, and I picked St. Louis to go with Minnesota in this division to be in the playoffs, which, yes, would favor the other three teams in that division. Yet, if you look at it, Minnesota can spook one of these teams because Colorado, guys, I don't know if you noticed, they ain't that impressive this year so far. They, They have not shown like they're the Stanley Cup contenders that we thought. Both Grubauer's having issues. Francois is out right now. I mean, who do you have for a goaltender? Because you don't have Hutchinson anymore. I don't know if this Colorado team is as good as it was last year. That's just, like I said, just to start the year, we're not going to make any over-exaggerations, but if they can't figure it out, I mean, Nazem Kadri, I love him to death. He's my fa- one of my favorite players to ever play the game. He hasn't done a whole lot. Nathan McKinnon is trying to do everything he can. Landis Skog, he's been able to come up big in a couple of games for them. But the back end, I don't know if it's because Nikita Zadorov's not there anymore, but that's looking a little bit softer. I mean, they're the Colorado Avalanche guys are, they look mortal so far. Now, yes, like I said, there's a lot. I keep saying it. I know I sound like a broken record. Tyler, you keep saying the same thing over and over again. You ever hear me call a hockey game before? There's a reason why I'm not an NHL broadcaster, because I keep saying the same thing over and over again. Shot, save. Cleared, shot, save. I'm a very bland broadcaster. I have no color, no personality whatsoever. However, there is a lot of time for Colorado to figure it out. But if they can't, they may be on the... I I think they'll finish fourth. I think the California teams will drop off. And obviously, there's a lot going wrong with Arizona. So we're just going to have to just keep our eyes on that and maybe just say, all right, who's going to get the lottery pick out of this bunch? Even though there may be a couple teams that are 
going to be worse than I say LA. I would think so, but I'm not sure now looking at some of these teams, because there were some teams that I thought were going to be like really bad. And we'll get to the New Jersey Devils in a minute, but I, it's, it's a really weird year. If there's ever a year for Minnesota to win a division, it's this year. Now Vegas is looking really strong. Five and one Mark Stone shaved his beard. He's looking good. Leonard and Flurry look like they're just in namaste mode. They're all kumbaya, happy, happy, happy in the back end. I mean, they're like, as we heard with Flurry, we had the whole problem with Alan Walsh posting the video or the sword in the back from Peter DeBoer. That lovely tweet that just went viral in 30 seconds before I got taken down. There was that, but now this team is looking like it's a hockey club that just is just in a perfect spot. Alex Petrangelo is fitting in nicely. They lost Paul Stasny, but the offense continues to click. Thomas Noshik is looking like more than a $1 million hockey player. I mean, there are the pieces in place. And like I said, their window is going to shrink because of all the, you know, the age of some of these players and how bad these contracts are going to look at the end. The window is shrinking on the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's hard to say that for a team that's only in its fourth, fourth season, fourth season. (laughs) It's been four years now, guys. Jeez. Good Lord. 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, we're there in their fourth season. And they're looking like a team that needs to win now. They can't falter in the playoffs. 2018, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Great. 2019, they got screwed. Okay. Last year, they lost. They straight up lost to the Dallas Stars. It wasn't they got gypped or they made it far. They lost. And this team, with the majority of its players back, I think it's Nate Schmidt and... I think there was another player that didn't come back. Derek Englund, of course. But for the most part, the core is there. This team needs to win now. They start off really strong. Like I said, 5-1. and one. They got a lot of weight. They got a long way to go. But if they keep going at this pace, they'll make a short time to get there. It's supposed to be an eastbound and down reference, but I failed dramatically. Let ta- let, uh, let, let take a big break here. Let us take a quick break here, guys. When we come back, we will be chatting with... In the Box Podcast is Thomas Biondo. You guys all know him. He's been on the show a few times before. He'll be making his 10th appearance here on the Cule Show. We'll get to him here after this break. So when we come back, we'll have more of the Cule Show for you here on 12 Ounce Sports. Bye. Nice outro, Tyler. You're doing a great job. Oh, shut up. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. Tyler Kuehl here on this Monday evening, January the 25th. We decided, folks, we need to talk about, I mentioned them a little bit before, the Detroit Red Wings. I mentioned them because, you know, they're a team in that Central Division that's kind of funky right now because there's a team called the Chicago Blackhawks who are second in the division right now. Now, yes, it's only been a week and a half, like I said before, but just bear with me. So we need a guy, though, to come in that's a little bit of an expert with the Detroit Red Wings. We've had him on the show a couple of times before. He is a member of the In the Box podcast, also the play-by-play voice of Davenport D1 University Hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for a tenth time, none other than the one and the only Thomas Biondo. Thomas, how are you doing today, sir? I'm well, sir. How are you today? I am peachy keen, mainly because of the fact that I get to talk to you for a little bit. No, it's very kind of. Doesn't that sound exciting? I know, I know, you just love chatting with me like all the time now. 
All the time. Of course, then again, well, shoot, when was the last time we talked? I'm trying to think. Like, actually on the phone. I remember, well, no, you called me because you were, you were officially giving up on broadcasting. No, not officially giving up on broadcasting, yeah. but. Let's not go that far. Well, yeah, I'm about to say, if you were giving up for sure, I'd have to tell my boss here at Davenport and, you know, say, hey, Ryan, if we're actually going to have a season, it's, it's just going to be me. Because at this yeah. point, it's, it's, by the way, Thomas, quick update for you. It's looking sure. positive, but I'm still on the edge. You know, I'm like, I'm ready for the worst, but it's looking brighter. So maybe we'll get to see each other soon. That would be spectacular. I know. I know. Spectacular is a bit of a stretch. That would be great. It'd be nice. I'm pretty sure. Seeing people is incredibly tough right now. But yes, of course, the reason why I brought you on Thomas is because we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. And listen, I, I was ready when I asked you to come on this show. It's similar to Cody Jansen earlier. I had a different way I was going to take the interview. But now, after yesterday's game, I don't know if I can be the same kind of optimistic with the Red Wings. But first, let's talk about, because you said you actually were able to watch the game with some friends. And you did it, at least in today's world, properly. Explain uh, explain how you watched some hockey outdoors in January. Yeah, so my uh, a buddy of mine's got a, a nice uh, patio, I guess you'd call it, and it's got the uh, uh, basic screen so that there's good airflow on it. He had a couple of space heaters, um, uh, like a, a fire, you know, not like a, a, a well, I guess it'd be a gas fire pit and a, one of those tall lamps that you see, and right, and we were able to get uh, you know a couple people outside, and he's got got a TV set up out there, so we were really able to get some people together and watch a hockey game, and it felt you know. Given all things considered, it's weird being outside in a blizzard to watch the snow because we had some pretty good snow falling during the during the game. But it it felt great, and it's always nice to see people that you know you don't really get to get, get together with any uh, given the given the circumstances. I, I will say this: having you know played pond hockey and whatever, it's always kind of cool when the snow falls. It's weird though sitting when it's like that though. I mean, at least you had like you said, you had the space heaters, and I'm sure you had. Well, if it was me, I would have had a couple of a uh, couple of. Uh, drinks to make sure I was staying warm, to say the least. Yep. Sure, sure. It's a good way to go. We went with the B-dubs route and got hot sauces, but either way, that gets it done too. That, I'll be honest. So, now this, like I said, many tangents here with Thomas Biondo here on the Tequila Show, but I have realized something. If I am at B-dubs and I get wings, like I usually get the similar, you know, spicy garlic, you know, a couple of the spicier kind because I like spicy sure. food. I will sweat if I'm in the restaurant. I don't know what it is. But if I'm at home and I get takeout, mainly because maybe because my heat's off, but I just don't have that problem. I, I, I don't get really sweaty like I usually do when I eat hot wings. It's either A, the temperature, big temperature difference, or two, that you know that because you're in public, you're, you're more aware of the situation. But when you're a big, big, big fellow like I am, you sweat no matter what. So, I mean, I get some of the lower, lower seasoned or lower temperature flavors and i always get a get a little perspiration on the brow so yeah i, you, I know i know what you're talking about though i funny because you know cooper weidenthal he was over to watch the fights on saturday night and he he got like honey barbecue and like lemon pepper and i'm just like you are just i mean you and thomas just fit together with the nice the savory flavors i'm sure yes yes i like i sweat enough as is i don't need sauces to make me sweat i'm, I'm good enough as i am i like to feel pain when i eat that's my thing i, I like to be in absolute yeah. pain i like to get absolute pleasure out of it so that's 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 the difference between you and me right there uh that's the reason why kelly hates new mexican christmas because we have like a bone and spicy frolies and green chili stew and she just hates all of it me i'm just shoveling mounds of 
red chili peppers into my mouth, and it's just it's wonderful. So well, back to, you know, if I need to marry, yeah, it's true. But back to the Detroit, back to the Detroit Red Wings, who were seemingly, you know, maybe not a hot wing, but they were like a good, you know, medium, maybe mild wing. They were, they, see how I did it there? They, I did. I like that. They were looking competitive. You know, they had a couple good mm-hmm. games against Carolina. They literally fought against Columbus, but just the fact that they were showing that kind of fight was great. But yesterday happened. And it's seeming like it just changed everyone's outlook on the wings. And it went back to, oh, my gosh, we're back to last season with 15 wins. Is last night was yesterday or yesterday, excuse me, not last night, but yesterday's game against the Chicago Blackhawks, a 6-2 win by the Hawks, by the way. Did that was that a representation of how this team has started this year? Or was that, do you think, just a like a bump in the road and they're going to kind of move through with this? What do you think about that? Well, what I really think is is that what we knew is that this was not going to be a very good team. And what we also knew was that it couldn't really, it it, it doesn't have a ton of talent. So when it was without talent, it was going to go bad. And the loss of five guys, the COVID protocol on top of Darren Helm, not playing Sunday. I I mean, you, you don't, if, if you're seeing Tyro Hirose and Giovanni Smith playing, you know, I, Hirose was on the power play. And now, granted, the power play actually scored a couple of times. But that when you're getting to that level of, of, of your depth that you don't really want to get into, and that's no, no disrespect meant to Hirose, but you just know it's going to be rough. And, and, you know, and it really is just the Sunday game. Like the Friday game, you know, 4-1, you, you think it's bad. I didn't even have a problem with the Friday game through the first five. I was still fine. You know, sure. They lost by three, but they outshot the Hawks. You know, they, you know, specialty teams have been a bugaboo nearly the whole time that Jeff Blashill has been coach. So if you, if you look at just, you know, you flip specialty teams, even Friday's game, like I said, I don't have a huge problem with Sunday was disappointing, but you know, it, it's, it's only game six. This team hasn't played since March of last year. So I'm trying not to freak out about it. I'm trying not to get freak out about it and just say, hey, it's one of those games that just it just kind of happens. Also, their first road trip of the year, too. And I just think that there's a lot of factors that goes into why the, the trip to Chicago was so disappointing. Because they're they're two and four. And I and I, I, like, I, I go back to like the Carolina games, because Carolina just seems like a team that people could still beat easily, even though, like I said, they split with them. The Columbus games, I think, for me, were the real telltale signs that, hey, this team is actually, you know, giving team – they're not making it easy on anybody. They're – I mean, they got the 3-2 win in the second game. They lost 3-2. to Of course, that was the one where you had Dylan Larkin fighting Wierenski, which for all of us Michigan fans was like, well, this is interesting. Look at these awkward. guys like best friends. Yeah, felt awkward. And you had Bertuzzi trying to fight everyone else on the ice. Oh, who was the other guy that was in the fight? It was with um, Bjorkstrand. Um Okay, because it was the afternoon game. I remember I was watching it at work. Yeah. Oh, geez. Anyways, but there people are like, oh, my gosh, the Wings are actually fighting to win, like, in a good way, not just fighting because the team sucks and they need to do something. But, no, this is like they were they were battling to, you know, get back into a hockey game, tie the game, and they were actually, you know, they cared. And I'm sure that's what kind of got everyone like, hey, this is what we want to see. And like I said, you, you like you mentioned, it, yesterday was kind of just, you know, the kind of the one-off, hopefully. They go into Dallas tomorrow, which – I mean, I'm going to text my buddy Peyton Turnage and ask him, hey, how, how's, how's Dallas this year? Because that first game for them, they looked pretty good. But there's a couple of you know positives to look at for this Detroit Red Wings team. Obviously, I think the one that 
I'd like to hear your opinion on, even though it seemed inevitable entirely, was Dylan Larkin getting named captain. Was was the time right for it to be now, or do you think they, you know, Blashill was just like, let's just do it, and he's seeming like the only guy? Because that was my pick for the longest time, because it just seemed like the road for Larkin to be captain was just paved in gold and seemed pretty darn obvious. Do you think was sure. it now the right time to make Larkin the captain? Yeah, I do. I, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with it. I, I do I find it I always find it interesting how these things actually happen because you know everybody you know, and it, it really struck me when you said it that, you know, Jeff Blaschel did it. And I always, you know, everybody that you hear on on sports talk around here is, well, you know, Steve Eisman needed to see how it was going to go for a year. And, you know, I, I just I guess I never really knew how the captain was decided upon. I You know, GM anointing, coach anointing. I, you know, I always kind of thought there was a team vote or a team discussion on it. However, it got done, though, at the end of the day, it's the right choice. You know, Larkin was really – when the team was as bad as it was last year, he did the, the leadership things. I need to be better, pointed at himself. I need – you know, really took ownership of that. And it's real easy to take ownership of stuff and to, to, to give the – spread the praise when you're, when you're winning. But when you're losing and taking on the ownership and the blame of that, you know, I – I think that's what made it kind of inevitable, not just that he was the he was young and he's talented and all that stuff. But there was also the the growing up and the the way he talked too. there's just there was just a lot of that as well that I think really made it okay. And, you know, it's what I think they went. What was it just one season without a captain? But I don't think that there was a need since since, you know, you've got him to a deal. You know, he's going to be here. I I think you're right. It it, it was no reason to, to, to delay the inevitable any further. There, because I it was one or two years. I, I know it was at least one when after Zetterberg had to retire. So I mean, it wasn't like it was forever. Like of course, the least before they had Tavares, there was I think a good three year span between Tavares and Fanuf, who was their last captain. So I mean, it is it seeming like more and more these days where if you have a lot of veterans, obviously the Detroit Red Wings are outside of this because the veterans they have are kind of just guys who were just brought in because they needed to field a hockey team. And we'll get to a couple of those guys here in a second. But if you have a veteran core or at least a group of players, that is your leadership group. It seemed like like the wing, when the wings got them, they, I don't think they needed them as much or they didn't need a captain after Zetterberg left because the team was kind of like, you know, what are we going to be? So I can see why they waited, but the Leafs, you know, they had Riley, they had Anderson, they have Matthews and Martin, like that's the leadership group. And Tavares came in. They didn't necessarily need a captain. Do you think like nowadays, a captain is more or less just, hey, media needs to talk to a guy after we lost. We'll put you out there. I mean, it's seemingly less and less important as than it used to be back when Iserman and Gretzky and Lemieux and Sackick, like when the captains were the guy on the hockey club. Do you see it that way? You know, it's it's really tough, Tyler, it, because I do think I, I think there's got to be such a fine balance to it. And I think what the what, you know, Let's just let's just look at the situations, particular in, in, in the two t- situations we're talking about, where the wings went from Eiserman to Lindstrom to, to to Zetterberg. It was that was clear. I mean, it was easy. It was clear. It made sense. There was no ifs. There was no ands. There were no buts. I think when Zetterberg retired, most people felt fine. You know, like if it would have gone to Larkin right away, they would have been okay with it. But I think that there was not really this uproar to delay it. Right. And the, on the same time, the team was also, I think, I think most people knew that the rebuild was coming. 
So I don't think that they really wanted to say, okay, now that we're going to be really bad, here you go. Here you go, youngster. You're now the captain. With the, with the leaf situation, I think that there was a little bit of – because and you're going to have to talk to me with time frames and help me with it. But after Phaneuf wasn't captain, how long after that was Matthews drafted? That would have been 16. So he was traded at towards in there at the deadline of the 15-16 season. So that summer. And they didn't have a captain until Tavares got nineteen twenty last. So, so last season was year he got picked so, as captain. So basically, what it, what it would if I'm hearing you right, Tavares gets or excuse me, Fanoff gets traded and Matthews gets drafted like four months apart, right? And the deadline, and then Matthews is drafted in that next draft. Yes, because it would have been June, and I think he got traded in either late February, early March. Yeah, around that. But yeah, similar. Yeah, similar. I think that. See, and I and I guess this kind of gets back to your initial question is why do captains matter? I think they do matter still because they, they wanted – I think they really wanted Matthews to kind of take up the, the mantle and be the captain. And, and I don't – you know, again, I'm not in the locker room with Toronto. I don't know the inner workings. But I think that there is a component of the, the player doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar, but, boy, he's got to be really big. And I think that they knew, okay, we're going into a season with a number one, with a 1-1 one, one overall – Let's not make anybody captain. And with any luck, this is just going to kind of solve itself and he's going to become captain. But to, in his defense, I don't think it's also a knock that he isn't the captain or he didn't become captain either. And when you have somebody like Tavares, you you kind of poo-pooed it. And I don't know if you did it on purpose, but I think it's really important to have that guy to say, OK, yeah, you have to go talk to the media. You're the face of the team. Yeah, that's a lot tougher than I think that a lot of people really under, you know really want to give it credit for. And like, think about the Boston thing, how hilariously funny everybody thought that it was with the joke about going to Marchand. (laughs) Like, there's no way that Brad Marchand is going to be a a, a captain. It's got to be Patrice Bergeron. You can't have Marchand being the voice of reason. You know, it's so it it is that thing. And I do think that 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 C really does matter. Yeah. And I mean, there are some teams where you have to wonder, try to figure out who the captain is. I don't know how many. I think there's two teams that don't have a captain right now. I think that's right. That that would be a good guess. Like that's not a definitive answer. I if you went by each team, I could probably guess who the captain would be, and then you'd have to tell me which team doesn't have a captain. But in in the case of Detroit, I think now is the right time because it's looking like the team is. I'm not saying turning around to being a you know the Stanley Cup contender they were a decade ago or a little over a decade ago now because that 2010 team was nowhere near ready for a cup. So we'll say 15 years ago, but they were they're going in the right direction. So I guess it's a good time as now to do it now. Well, oh, go ahead, Thomas. I was just gonna say two, two things with that. One is, I mean, I think last year was pretty much rock bottom. Yeah. So I think that that, that makes it a little bit easier that, you know, that, you know, that you're now on the upswing. And I, and, and again, to your, to your point about with your captain listing, you're right. It did seem like now what I will agree with you, or I, I don't know if this was necessarily what you said. It did seem like more 25, 30 years ago, it was damn near guaranteed. The best player was the captain. And now I don't think that that's true as much. Except for Chicago where they had Dirk Graham was their captain because even though they had Jeremy Roenick, that team was stacked and Dirk Graham and your fourth liner is your, even though little known fact in the game, the game four of the ninety-two final. Ready for the dumb trivia that I know, Thomas? Please. The only reason why the Hawks were in that game is because a Hashik played out of his mind when he came in relief for Eddie Belfour, and Dirk Graham got a hat trick in that game. Great, see. Well, that Ma- sounds like a captain to me. Jofa bucket wearing 
mustache, awesome mustache, number 33, Dirk Graham. For any Chicago Blackhawks fans that are watching right now, they're probably like, he knows who Dirk Graham is. There you go. See, that's why I got this mic, Thomas, so I can scream away from it, and I won't, you know, have to, like, pull the mic down to scream so people, <laughs> so I don't destroy people's eardrums. So that's the reason why they I got it. But, man, that team, those Hawks teams, Larmer, Roenick, Chelios, Michelle Goulet was still good. Stevie Smith. Of course, I'm just naming off the NHL 94 roster, but you know what I mean? That, they were good around that time. That's how we all, that's how people our age within a five year, five, 10 year uh, age group of us. It's NHL 94 is what got us all into it. So that's why, that's why you're naming that roster. That's why I say they should do on the NHL 94 rewind is they should just take the rosters from those teams and put them into the game. So you can play past versus present so i can have wendell clark just string up the left wing side and just brain martian into the boards because that's how it would have been done back in the day ah. i don't hate that idea that might be one of your best ideas yet tyler i don't hate that at all see i come up with a couple every so often but every so every so often so you know we talked about the timing being right for dylan larkin to be captain and seemingly doing so but yesterday, because I follow a lot of people that cheer for the Red Wings and write for the Red Wings, so I kind of get it. Both, you know, people that are, you know, having reasonable responses that are well on Twitter, and then people that are tweeting in all caps, screaming for, you know, just bloody murder. A lot of it was Jeff Blashill. And mm-hmm. this has been a conversation we've had, oh gosh, how long we've been doing the show for? I mean, seriously, yeah. since, since the last time they made the playoffs, it's been, all right, when's Blashill going to go? Now, under the previous administration, it's seeming like that wasn't going to happen because they knew the rebuild was supposed to happen. You can't blame a coach for a rebuild. Right. But is I don't want to say Blashill is the guy to blame for yesterday, but is his are his days numbered in Detroit, I guess is the big question. I'm going to say that no matter – unless there's like a complete disaster like last year – Unless these two wins are basically what they have through March <laughs> or through February, let's say, I, I think he'll get another year, and I think next year will have to be a year to perform. I, I maybe I'm kind of a um, an, an easy fella, <laughs> go lucky, <laughs> optimistic. Yeah, well, because these, you know, this this is this is impo- this is such an impossible scenario. I mean, you think about it when somebody gets hurt and they miss a season and then they come back, all they talk about is timing. You know, it's going to take 10, 15 games to get their timing right. They got to get their timing right. Got to get the timing right. The Red Wings are an entire roster that went basically 300 days without playing. (laughs) I I mean, seriously. So I have a really tough time because there is a a voice here that's telling me, yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go. I'm tired of this. But at the end of the day, the talent hasn't been there to be a whole lot better than what they've been. There really hasn't. I mean, when you think about guys that were playing defense last year, what? How can you possibly think that this was going to be? be it was going to be a better team. And so, and and again, with all that's swirling around this year, I'm going to try not to get all up in arms about whether or not Jeff Flashell should go. It, not six games into it. it, let's get twenty games into the belt. And it, like I said, if this team is still that bad, and the power play still can't score, and the penalty kill can't stop anybody. I'll listen to the argument that he should go. But again, this also isn't the team that's going to start winning big, big. So I feel like putting somebody in, it's kind of like, you know, like the Tigers with AJ Hinch. I don't know. He's going to start with a team that's probably going to lose close to 100 games again. Well, what's the point of bringing in a coach 
whose first year is almost pointless. Not if he's got trash cans to help him out. Bam, bam, bam. Here comes a curveball, Miggy. There is that. But in hockey, less so with that, with a trash can thing being the case. I just don't know if necessarily a new coach right now with all these bets that were brought in, but only on one year deals. Again, this isn't the roster that I think that the wings want to be good with. Right. If that makes any sense. So changing the coach, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. And, and to be fair to him and, and I'm sorry, Tyler, but just to be fair to him, you know, has Rasmussen looked better? Did Zadina look good before he went out? You know, what are we seeing from young people? And I have kind of like, you know, they, they, you know, Bromes look good, Rasmussen. So there's some things, there's definitely some positives that I've seen from 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 the young wings or, or the new wings that that does give me a little bit of pause before I say he's gotta go. Right. Do you do you think Zadina, obviously he's on the COVID list right now, but do you think Zadina, just the way he started and I think the way he's developed, I believe he's developed a lot better than Mantha has, and that's just for my personal taking. Having watched him in Grand having watched both in Grand Rapids, I think Zadina's done a lot better of a job. And of course, Zadina deserves it. The amount of traveling he had to do last year with the team. Good Lord. Him and Giovanni Smith could probably fly to Mexico for free at this point, even with COVID. Um, <laughs> but I do you think Zadina's ready to be the full-time NHLer that he was drafted to be? Yes. Yeah. Um, boy, it, the, the, you know, it, you, you, you sometimes get become the slave of the TV broadcast. And so I, you know, you always try to be careful, but you know, when you see the highlight packages of him, and the hounding um, sort of back check and the willingness to really get in there and make plays. He, he looked really impressive. And did he have any goals? No. Did he have some nice setups? Yeah. What'd you bring him in to be? You, you hoped he'd be a 40 goal scorer. Um, and I'm not ruling that out, but was, I think when the year started, cause he, I, I don't believe he wouldn't need to clear waivers. I think that there was probably a little bit of thought of would he go down or would it be Svechnikov? So Svechnikov could play. And, and, and that's really, to me, the only choice that really came out of the, the roster who would actually start up and Zadina did. And I think that he showed that he's ready for that. And I, and I hope the goals start coming when he comes back. But I think at the end of the day that the first, whatever, three or four games until he went out due to COVID, COVID protocol was, was encouraging, was at the, if, at the very least, very encouraging to see the way Zadina was playing. Yeah. Cause I, I've talked with Rachel Anderson of access hockey, MI a few times, and she's followed him since his Halifax days. That's how long she's been covering like, sure. Red Wings prospects. And she just said, like, if he just could get some consistency up in the NHL, he could probably develop. And of course we saw maybe a little bit with Tara Rossi cause he got a lot of times in his first season after playing with Michigan state. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. You talked about a lot of the guys that signed one-year contracts a little bit ago, Thomas, and there's just one guy, and maybe it's because I love the underdog story. Maybe that's why I want to. Maybe that's why I want Detroit to do well, just so when they start playing the Leafs again, I don't feel bad if Detroit beats them. It's not like, oh my gosh, we lost to Detroit. Yeah, that, no, I get that feeling. Of course, you, you know what it was like. That's like when Phil Kessel came in and lit Jimmy Howard up for two goals every single time Toronto played the Leafs or Toronto played the yeah. Red Wings. You know how it was like yeah. back in the day. Absolutely. You never want to lose to the worst team in the league. I don't care who, if it's a rival or not. You never want to lose to the worst team in the league. Exactly. But the guy that I was just – because just the way he came back last year, Bill Masterton winner, Bobby Ryan. And when I heard about this signing, I was like, good. Because the guy – I mean, yes, Ottawa, they are – they're like, all right, we're going to run with the kids from here on. We got a good goal. I mean, they look a lot better themselves in Ottawa, but – 
I think Bobby Ryan getting the start with Detroit was like, all right, cool. He's got one year. Hey, let's just show him you can play, Bobby. Just show him you can keep playing. And then he just decides, I'm just going to have the best start as uh, like other than any Red Wing, better than any, which includes Gordie Howe, Ted Lindsay, Stevie Eiserman, Sergey Fedorov, Michael Sam or Michael Samuelson had four and four. Michael Samuelson couldn't do four and three. Four goals in three games for Bobby Ryan to start off the year. And yes, is he going to lead the team in scoring by the end of the year? Probably not. But just the fact of the way he was able to come back and, you know, he had alcohol abuse issues, but he was able to address them, went with the league's program, because I know Connor Ingram is going to be doing that here soon. He's taking a leave from Nashville to kind of, you know, fix, you know, the issues that he has and best of luck to him. But Bobby Ryan was like the first guy to really come out and say, you know, I, I assume my second guy, because Robin Leonard, I think, is probably the first one. But to come out and say, I need help, and he went out and got help, and now he's back, and he's looking like an everyday NHLer again. Is he the same Bobby Ryan as he was with Anaheim? No, of course not. But the fact that he's going out there and he's showing that he can still play, giving where he was probably this time last year, Thomas, that's sure. a great story right there. It is. I, I mean, there's there's no question about it. Uh, it's it's a great story. And, and you know, it's it's one of those things where I almost hope that, in it, you know, five games in, six, you know, six games in, let's see how it all plays out. But I hope that he, he's not a flip either. I hope that it's not something where Steve Eisman signed him thinking, all right, well, we'll ship you off for a second rounder come the deadline. I'd, I'd love to see it because, you know, one of the one of the bigger things that, that he did that I loved was you see him talking to Zadina. You know, they showed that clip. I think it was during the first Columbus game. Maybe it was the second Columbus game where, you know, they're showing him, you know, you know, during a whistle and he's talking to Zadina and doing the whole, you know, fingers around what to do. And Zadina's looking at him and looking back at the ice. And and that's, you know, that's what you need. That's what you want to see. And then, you know, if he can if he can have fun and the wings obviously need secondary scoring, um. It's, but it is, it's just such a heartwarming story. Cause you always, I don't, who doesn't want to see somebody that's had success, you stumble on some, some personal demons and then comes out of it. And it's just, it's, it's great to see this. And, and I hope he's not done, not just for the wing's sake, but for, like you said, just because of the humanity and hockey's sake, I'd love to see him score 20 this year and just really, you know, kind of make himself a presence throughout. But, you know, I, a friend of mine told me, actually, Walt, who does the, the In the Box podcast with me, he's the host right. of the show. And he's like, you know, have you ever looked at Bobby Bobby Ryan's growing up and his history? And there was a um, something on a, like, basically almost like a TMZ Canada. It, that's not what it was, but it's something kind of like that. He had the craziest childhood growing up. Like, go, oh, yeah. go Bobby Ryan's childhood, for, the, for those of you that don't know. And some of this, you know, what that was like. I mean, the guy's kind of remarkable. To, to persevere and to get to where he's gotten, then he free fall. And now he comes back and scores four in his first three. I mean, you're right. It's just a hell of a story. Yeah. Cause I, I, cause Brian Burks actually talked about it on various radio shows that I listened to and how he knew, like when he talked to him before they drafted him, his name's not Bobby Ryan. His name right. is Robert, but it is not, his last name is not Bobby Ryan, but he stuck with it. Right. I mean, I think it may have been, a, I don't know if it was TMZ or if it was like, I think there was, I know they did something for TSN. And they did a couple years ago. I wonder if they're going to do another one with him. And I think there should be a special with him, Leonard, and you know, see how Connor Ingram goes. Like those guys, like talking about you know the NHL and their their player, not the player safety, but their 
the programs they have to help players through, you know, through tough times. Cause that'd be really yeah. cool to talk about because of course this Thursday is bell. Let's talk day. And that's a big thing up in Canada. And we talk about it on the show a little bit. I'll probably get to it a little bit later on um, when we get off with Thomas here, but it's so important to talk about that sort of thing. So good to yes. Bobby Ryan. Let's hope he keeps going and keeps pushing because man, he, if he can do it, I'm not saying, I don't think there's ever such thing as a two time bell Masterton award winner, but if there's a <laughs> comeback player of the year, at least on the wing side, hopefully Bobby Ryan's the guy because that'd be the great guy to do it. No offense, Absolutely. it ain't gonna it ain't gonna be Mark Stahl though. I'm sorry about that. That's <laughs> I, I will say this. Well, time. well, Mark. Okay, so what was it? What game was it? I don't know if it was the Columbus game or not. Mark Stahl made up just a poor defensive read, and I think it was Brad Crisco yeah, from did. Brad Crisco from the Wing Wheel Podcast saying, "Oh my gosh, is this Mark Stahl guy going to be a problem?" And I tweeted back at him like, "Have you not watched the Rangers for like the last five years?" <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, he's had some moments and some plays that, that you would hope to see Mark's, you know, you, that you expect Mark Stahl to not make. But again, we're six games into the season. I, I really, I really want to, I tell myself that you, you do whatever you want. People do whatever you want. You don't want to get mad and say this was the worst decision ever. That's fine. But again, who do you, do you would you rather have him there or Madison Bowie or Jonathan Erickson? Or, you know, I, I don't know, pick a corpse from last year. I, I still think I'd rather have Eric Stahl ba- or uh, uh, Mark Stahl back there. Yeah, there's – he got signed because he was going to leave the Rangers. And as Steve Eisman said, you know, in a couple of his pressers during the offseason was, we need to field – we need to put a team on the ice. Yes. There yeah. will be bodies on this team that are bad, but we need to put them on there. I mean, geez. Yeah. I Poor Stevie, he knows exactly what that's like. Look at those teams from like 83 to – I'll say 87 before they started always playing Edmonton in the playoffs. Like those teams. Yeah, they're about right. Does anyone know who Lee Norwood is? No, because he was awful. I met right. him. At an, I met him at an alumni game once. He signed my card because I had one because my dad gave it to me. I'm like, that's pretty neat. This guy, he's wearing a Red Wing sweater. Couldn't tell you who he was. Couldn't tell you what it looked like now. That's how bad he was. There you go. But last thing before we get to, before we let you go, Thomas, I know you got another podcast coming up here later on after we let you go is the goaltending. Cause that was the big thing last year. And it's seeming like Jimmy Howard's going to retire. I'll ask you, actually, I'll get to that here in just a second, but how do you think Grice and Bernier have done yesterday aside Grice? I mean, he was a Jennings trophy winner two years ago. He looked really good for the Islanders last season with Varlamov almost was a Jennings winner, had to play in the playoffs a few times. I said it when they signed him, this is not a bad goaltender to get. Yes. It's gonna be a bad team, but he can keep you in some games. How do you think him and Bernier have looked so far? I've been fine with it. The, the, the one, I think there's been one goal this entire season. I mean, even yesterday, I don't really think it was a goaltending issue <laughs> for the most part. I think there was one or two, you know, but sometimes in a game like that, it's just, again, it, I'm hope, hopeful that yesterday was more of a, yeah, one of those nights than anything else. But I think it was the, the second goal Friday where it looked like he went to go make a glove save and it just like literally went right by the glove and they never really got us a proper angle to show if it was deflected or not. But well, they never the, do on TV. They make it look like it's always the goaltender's fault. You know that, Thomas. Yeah, I do. And actually, I disagree. I think more often than not, they look to try to find an angle to show it was deflected on the way through. I really do. But they couldn't find it. It was the actually it was the first game against Chicago because it was the Red Wing broadcast. And they were thinking they were talking about how it was the Chicago feed that they were just broadcasting over. And they just kind of they never really showed it. And it looked like that, again, the glove went out to make a save and it just kind of fluttered by it. And it was like, well, what the hell happened there? But outside of that, I, you know, for considering who's in front, what's playing the talent of the teams that they've played, get no problem with the goaltending this far. 
I wonder how good because I I mean I've been hard on Bernie mainly because he completely ruined James Reimer for all of us Leafs fans, and I thought he was going to be a better goaltender. Well, at least you'd hope so. But so let's get to the I guess the last part of this. Speaking sure. of goaltending, because we mentioned him just a second ago, Jimmy Howard hasn't yeah. officially announced it yet, but all reports and all signs are pointing towards him retiring. Now, I don't know if he just said this because he doesn't want to go play for Ken Holland in Edmonton because, gosh, they, they need a goaltender. They but, do, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't, but I, given the season and the circumstance, I, maybe I can understand. Well, he did. Oh, gosh, I don't think he – I'll be honest, and I said this, I think, when the for, got initially announced. I don't think Jimmy Howard has a groin anymore, just the way, <laughs> the way it ended. Like Jimmy Howard and I, despite Jimmy being about 10 years older than me, him and I, I don't have hips. He doesn't have a groin. That's just how, you know, our bodies have decayed. Now, I probably have not taken my body or taken as good a care of my body as Jimmy has over his career, but I digress. Yeah. You know, looking back at Jimmy's career, Alex and I talked about like some of our favorite moments with him. You know, for me, one was in 2011 during the playoffs against Arizona when it was 2010 or 2011, he made a save without his mask. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I was a kid, <laughs> Alex went with, there was you know, a couple games. There was a moment when he played in grand Rapids because we got to watch him literally from, cause he came in the year after the NHL lockout, he came to grand Rapids in 0506. And we pretty much got to watch him rise to be in a red wing. Was there sure. a moment for Jimmy Howard in his career and his time with the wings? I'm sure, obviously not recent memory, but was there a moment with Jimmy Howard that you look back fondly on Thomas? If I remember correctly, and, and don't sue me if I'm wrong here, when the wings I usually fell have behind, to tell you you're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> you do. And so I, I actually want you to tell me this, but when the wings were down three, nothing to San Jose, the second year, so it would have been 2011, 2011. Yeah. 20, Yes, 2011. I'm sorry. Yeah, the 2011. 2010, playoff. they got smoked by Nabokov, and yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. it was 2011. Yep. I think he was the one that said, you know, why not us? Because at that time, you know, what was it the same postseason or the next postseason that Philadelphia did it? Um, to, it would to have been the, the year before, because it was 2010 when the uh, when the Flyers came back against. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he basically had a why not us, and he played remarkably well. He really had played well, even though they had fallen behind 3 nothing. But he played remarkably well through really all seven games of that series. And it was it was really just it was I was at that game six and it was maybe the one of the one of the two most electric times. I remember the Joe being um, was, was that game was that game six because, um, you know, they had fallen behind one nothing and they scored three in the third. And, and it was just just a remarkable feeling. And just kind of that whole team in that moment, but Jimmy Howard, especially just cause I remember he had the why not us quote. And I, and I just kind of was like, that's right. That's the mindset you need to have. Why not us? And, and that's that whole, that, that series, even though it didn't end well, didn't end with the wings completing. It, it was a, it was a really, really, really nice time. It was a really, really, it was just one of those times you remember kind of fondly. Cause didn't, cause that, cause that game three said, was it said Gucci who had the hat trick and the game winning goal in overtime, if I'm not mistaken, right? Maybe. That is actually right. I do believe that is right. Because San Jose that year, that was the team that made it to the conference. Well, of course, they beat Detroit in the second round and they made it to the conference finals. But that people were saying that either that team or the 2010 team, though I one of those two were was the better team. Like those were the Sharks' best chances to win the Stanley Cup. And I can probably concur with that. And 
like that series. Cause at that point I was still watching the wings a lot and following them quite a bit and cheering for them because the, you know, I was cheering for the Leafs as well, but the Leafs were never there come April or May. So I had, sure. you know, I had the wings and I just, I remember that cause I, they went down three, nothing. Cause I was listening on the radio, listening to Ken Cal back on my old alarm clock that I had, <laughs> had to dial it to get it to, I don't remember what it was on. I think it was, a, did they have them on? I think it was well, nine, okay. 97. Well, yeah, for you Detroiters, 97-1, but I forget what oh, it was right. over here. I'm sure. sorry, Thomas. We can't just all be cool Detroiters like you and have 97-1 in our back pocket and have all their awesome content. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wish you were. Oh, yeah. Detroit, I don't know. Detroit? Uh, I know it's... Uh, I don't know. You'd have to talk to the wife on that one. That'd be her discussion. She's trying to get you to come over here. So That's that, not happening. <laughs> hear that, Kel? Um, no, she's probably I, passed I, I on the couch. I appreciate, I appreciate it, but I, I don't think I'm moving. No, but uh, I I remember listening to it. I fell asleep shortly in the start of overtime. And I woke up the next day finding out that they scored. Because I still had to go to school the next day. Because God forbid yeah. I stayed up and watched the game. What a child you were. Oh, what a child I was. Well, shoot. I stay, I was I was allowed to stay awake through the three-overtime game in 08. But that was a waste yeah. of time. <laughs> cup finals, everybody better be allowed to stay awake in the cup finals. Well, I, I think my dad told me, he lay looked at me, I think during the second overtime, he said, hey, if the Wings didn't have a chance to win this tonight, you'd be in bed right now. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, you gotta, listen, it's, you, <laughs> you pass a point of no return. And I feel like that's the first overtime. You yeah. don't, you don't walk away in the middle of the first overtime. You're, you're in, you're all the way in at that point. But the 20, I just remember to come back. I'm like, man, they may get killed in this series. Like swept, like at least the year before they won a game against Nabokov and the Sharks, but they, they won game four and they get to game six. And I'm just like, they got to win. But I, I felt like when they won game six, it felt like that was the peak, right? Like you just have that feeling like they're going to San Jose for game seven. There's no chance they win twice at the pavilion. It's, it's so unlikely. Cause especially at that point, the shark tank was, it one of, if not the toughest places to play in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, it, just mainly because it's out West or whatever it is, or whatever they, you know, they have, they fill that arena with, with oxygen. It just, it's a hard play. It was a hard place to play. Not so much now, but back then it was tough. Yeah, it was. And, and, and it, it that team, it just, it was such a not quit team or, or not going to quit team. Cause I remember it was two, one in the third period of game seven, the Sharks scored, and then on a weird little backhander by Datsuk, they made it three-two, and they pressed. I mean, it was just such a, just a, such a fun team. It was just, it was a fun run to only be in two playoff series, but it was still such a really fun run. But you're right because I, I, I looked it up while you were talking there, and it, it was it was Setaguchi with the hat trick, and he scored the third, and uh, the third was in overtime, got the overtime winner. He also committed the only penalty in overtime, which is also really funny. Because so, they never call so, penalties in overtime. Exactly, exactly. But oh, had to it, slash it, someone's head off. It was a, it was a, it was a good run. You know, once I do agree with you though. It, it, there was just something about that game six, the the crowd, the volume, and then I actually rewatched it on TV the next day, and it was you could even feel it coming through the television. It was it was a it was a special game, but it, it did kind of feel like boy, there's I just don't think they're going to steal it in San Jose because I feel like they stole game five. Like, I feel like they did not play well in San Jose in game five. They were terribly outshot and they won that game. I'm like, how in the hell did they do that? Yeah. So it did kind of feel that way, but it it didn't, it didn't diminish it by any means. It was still fantastic. Was that because realistically thinking about this now, the only teams, because was Mrazek was still the goaltender in the 2016 playoffs, right? The series against Tampa, right? I, yeah, he was in both series, I believe, against Tampa, right? Yeah, right. Because yeah. I was making sure, because that would have meant 
you know, it was 2010, 11, 12, and 13 for Jimmy Howard, for at least in terms of playoffs. Which team do you think was the better of those four? I'm trying to think. Like, may, like I, I think I think 11 or 13 because they came within a goal. Yeah. You know, or, um, um, but they were they were all really similar. I, I they were all really per, I don't want to say purgatory teams, but they all that's really what they were. They were they were good enough to that that when you really look at it, second round of the playoffs was about as good as those teams should have gone. Yeah, you know they were they it, an, an aging grind line that had a couple pieces left of it. Lindstrom was now by this point, I believe, just about forty. Dadzug and Zetterberg were making guys like Franz and Hoodler and Samuelson look a lot better than what they were. It was, you know, they just didn't have enough. And you knew they just didn't have it enough. But they were still fun. They were still the wings and you were still pulling for them. But you just knew that they – I didn't ever really think going into the playoffs that this that those were teams that were going to make a run. I really didn't. But geez, I still got that 13 series. I'm like, man, awful penalty in game six and off of Cronwall in game seven. What a yeah! Just the most, this the couple of worst bounces ever. Well, even even the, I mean, to be fair to them though, even one of those two series against Tampa, they were up three one, and you know it was the they were up three one, and or was it three two three two? I think they were up three two coming home. That's what it was. They were up three two coming home. Yeah, and they lost game six, and then went on to lose game seven, but. The, the problem with that was they, they got Eric Cole that year at the deadline. And then Eric Cole had some sort of neck injury that was found out, never made it to the playoffs. The wings were one for like 25 in the postseason in the play in the, on the power play where they got Eric Cole to make their power play better. And then he couldn't play. It was, the, it was just a bad set of circumstances. And, and, and that we kind of, you know, me and well, frequently talk about it. if Eric Cole is healthy and plays in that playoffs, the wings probably win it in six. And and who knows what happens after that? But again, they couldn't score on the power play. Lightning take game six here, and then well, I think it was a one nothing with an empty netter. Then they made it two nothing in, in game seven in a really close game. So I mean, those teams weren't as far away as we thought, at least from from going one step further. But you know, it was all for nothing. Because fifteen was the year they made it to the finals. Sixteen they lost to Pittsburgh in the conf- or in the in their playoff run. So I. I wonder how that would have gone, but I, I don't know if Detroit would have been Pittsburgh that year, even though. Oh, I, I, you're, I mean, I'm not you just right. I'm sorry. I didn't want to imply that, but I mean that they were close and potentially knocking off the lightning the year that the lightning went to the cup finals. That, 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 that was my only, that was the only point I was trying to make there. Yeah. The only point you should have made, but I still think that 13 Leafs team, if they'd beaten Boston could have made it to the conference finals, but that's just me. We have been chatting here with Thomas Biondo of In the Box Podcast and Davenport D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thomas, we thank you for coming on for a 10th time here on the Kula Show. And I'll leave you with this. Let's just hope the Red Wings power play, according to Mickey Redmond, is still the best bleeping power play in the league. (laughs) That was hilarious. That was the best thing. Okay, did you think – I think he swore. Did you think he swore? I actually didn't think that, that was the one everybody was talking about. I thought everybody got up in arms when he said bitching during the course oh, of the game. Oh. No, it was against Columbus where they scored a power play goal. And he, you have to look it back, but he, I swear. I he, will be. He, he went out and said, I'm like, that's the best. Someone said best looking power play, trying to defend him. But he dropped the F-bomb. He said, that's the best bleeping power play the Red had all year. Nah, he's an old man. Let him get away with it every once to. God bless him. He's over here bitching to the referee. 
I did hear bitchings, and that's the one I thought everybody was up in arms about. Because oh, I no. definitely compared to the one against Columbus, that was child's play. <laughs> now I watch. See, then I don't think he said it because I was watching those games pretty intently, and I think I would have noticed. But yeah, you, go figure. Were you that's paying? Awesome. Were you paying attention to the fake goal horn that they have there at Little Caesars Arena now? Oh, the, the fake crowd noise. I'm just. I'm. Uh, no, I not the wait. fake crowd noise. I've accept. I've accepted that. I'm talking the fake goal horn at Lewis Hughes arena because they don't have the horn. They just have the audio recording of the horn from the Joe. Like that's my problem. They have, no, you take the horn with you. That's what you do. You take the horn. You don't change your goal horn. I'm no, fine. No, they, well, they didn't change Like, yeah, bring the goal horn. Where's the goal horn? Oh, where's the actual goal horn? How, how do you know that it wasn't recording at the Joe the whole time anyway? Well, no, cause I, cause you knew you <laughs> knew that's kind of true. You, you remember how the, that arena used to be? Shoot, I remember I was there on a Sunday afternoon. It was the loudest crowd I've ever heard in my life. I'm just wondering if it's just if it sounds weird because there's no fans in there. Because honestly, Tyler, I've been I, I've been to a couple games at Little Caesars Arena, and the Wings did score in those games, and I didn't didn't like the horn didn't sound off to me at all. So I'm just wondering if it's coming through you, the TV. Well, did the horn even go off when you were there, Thomas? Is that? <laughs> I just said the horn did go off in the games I went to. They did in fact score. I just said that. Nice try, buddy. I'm making sure it wasn't a test. Like, they weren't testing the horn. Like, hey, let's make sure it still works. Play. All right. Okay. All right. All right, my friend. That'll be enough of that. Thomas, thank you very much for chatting with me once again. Hopefully, we see you soon. Hopefully, we're calling games together because I'm losing it here in the studio. I mean, the wife, I'm sure, likes having me home all the time. But I'm pretty sure she's getting annoyed by it because all I do is come home and complain the other yeah. five hours that I'm home. So I'm pretty sure she's hoping that I get to work. So maybe I'm a better person as, as she says, but <laughs> again, fingers crossed on that one, buddy. Amen to that. Thomas. Thank you once again, man. Have fun on your podcast tonight in the box podcast. Thomas, where can they find in the box podcast? Oh, all got all the places. The, 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 the Google play store, Spotify has got it. We got it. I believe in the Apple store as well, or the Apple, whatever they call it. I, you know, I'm not that great with tech, but the, whatever apps doing it, but Google play, I know, and, and Spotify too in the box. Well, definitely Thomas doesn't know because it's Google Podcast now. It's not Google Play. They changed the format now. I found that out the hard way. They Thanks, are on. Tom. So pretty much there's... Yeah, you want to learn too. Uh, listen, okay. I had to learn because they literally said like, hey, you have... It's no longer Google Play Music. It's Google Podcasts. And I'm like, okay, are we on there? Cool. No. You catch that, him on there. Pretty much your favorite podcatcher, you find Thomas and Walt. Thomas, yeah. thank you once again, man. We'll talk to you soon. Safe travels. Be safe out there and have a good day. You too, Ty. Thank you so much, bud. That was Thomas J. Beyond. Is it J. Beyond? I don't know. He's trying to log off, but he can't do it. V. 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 All right. It's Thomas. V. I won't say it because I remember now because now that you've said V. See you, Thomas. Yeah. You, you can log. There he goes. Okay. Thomas Beyond, ladies and gentlemen. Couldn't find a better way to end it because I talked to the man so much. I, I could probably go on for probably a good six. We, we could easily talk for like two hours about Red Wings. I think we, we did it actually. If you go back, back to our podcast days, you wouldn't find it here on the YouTube channel if you're watching us on the replay on the Keel Show YouTube. But if you go back to, if you go on your favorite podcast, you can go back to, I think, mid-March, right after the NHL paused their season. There'll be an episode with Thomas where literally him and I, we talked for 90 minutes. I couldn't tell you what it was, but we just yammered on conversation because it it was at that point where we didn't know what sports were going to happen. We didn't know if hockey was ever going to come back. I mean, not ever going to come back, but like, like, was there going to be a season? We didn't know if baseball was going to be a season. You know, we joked about it. I think in an April show when he came on, you know, it was like snowing, like a light snow. I'm like, Thomas, would you rather 
be okay with sitting at home during COVID or be at a Tigers game on a Tuesday afternoon when it's 30 degrees and snowing against like Baltimore. And he said he'd rather be at a baseball game because at least it'd be some sort of normalcy. So, so hopefully we get back into that sort of thing soon. You know, I wonder as, as, as we were doing the interview, like I move around in my seat a lot and you, Typically, when I have the headsets on, you really can't hear it. But I wonder if can people hear my chair? Like I have this creaky old chair in in the desk. It's an old desk that's actually the desk that's to the well to my left, to your right. If you're watching us here on Twelve Ounce Sports, it's an older chair and it's kind of creaky. If I move in it, and I mean it's it's in one piece, which is good, you know, for now. But I I wonder if if you guys can hear it. Because I remember when we used to have our regular mics back in the early days of this show. Like we could hear any squeaky chair if I had to move and that's all you heard in the background. So you probably are hearing it and I'm going to have to either stop moving and try to duct tape my keister to this chair or find a new chair. That'd be cool if I got a new chair, but I got all this cool stuff and I'm pretty sure if I bought any more stuff, I'm pretty sure the wife is wife's going to probably take my credit card away or my debit card away or, or ban me from ever going on Amazon ever again. I don't know. She'll, she'll find a way to make sure I don't spend any more money than I have to even though I already, I mean, I did tell her I bought her an anniversary gift. So maybe they got me out of the woods for a minute, but let's move along here. So of course we did the NWHL scoreboard earlier today, earlier in the show. So let's jump on over to, as I back out here, make sure I don't play any music that I'm not supposed to here. Let's throw up that drum line. Let's get that drum line going guys. Pretty sure you guys can hear it right now. I can't because I have the earbuds in I can take this out. Actually, let's just do this. Let's put this back on here. Yeah, here we go. Oh, yeah, I can hear the air go. That's what I'm waiting for, the drum line. I love it. I found this thing. Uh, I found it on YouTube. It was a free drum line cadence, as I label it on my phone as well. So you know what that sound is for, folks? That means it is time for the College Hockey Scoreboard, brought to you by our friends at Second String Leather Company, secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. Let's go all the way back to Tuesday. We're in Atlantic hockey action. Mercyhurst knocking off Robert Morris 3-2 in overtime. Georgie Fedulov, his fourth of the season in the game-winning goal. Hank Johnson, 40 saves for the Lakers. Number 11, Omaha beating Colorado College, also in overtime by 3-2 score. Tyler Weiss, two goals, including the game winner for the Mavericks. Jumping on over to Thursday, Army beating Holy Cross 3-2. Thomas Farrell with the game-winning goal in that one. Bemidji State beating Bowling Green 2-1. Zach Driscoll, 25 saves. Ethan Simoza and Lucas Sillinger, the goal scorers for the Beavers. Moving over to Thursday, the Big Ten, or, or staying on Thursday, pardon me, Big Ten action. Number eight, Michigan beating Notre Dame 5-1 to one in that one. Kent Johnson, a pair of goals. Eric Portillo, second win of the season with 29 saves. Also got an assist in the game as well. Good for him, the second, the freshman goaltender for the Wolverines. Goal and an assist for Cole Caulfield in number 12, Wisconsin's 4-1 win over Penn State. And then number four, Minnesota beating Arizona State handedly after getting swept by Notre Dame the week before. They were uh, they were just mad, and they were ready to play against the poor Sun Devils. Brandon McManus and Sammy Walker each had hat tricks. McManus having a four-point game. Seven Gophers had multi-point games. And in ECAC action, a dramatic 4-3 win for Colgate as they beat St. Lawrence in overtime. Five goals are scored in the first period. Griffin Lund scoring the OT winner for the Raiders. As now we jump on over to Friday. We look at the Atlantic Hockey Army completing their weekend sweep of Holy Cross. Trevin Kozlowski, 23 saves for the Black Knights, his fourth win of the year. 
Michigan completes the weekend sweep over Notre Dame with a 3-1 win. Strauss man in net. He picks up his eighth win, making 25 saves for the maize and blue. Penn State beating Wisconsin, so they get the weekend split. Connor McManaman had himself a game. A goal and four assists, giving him five points. Minnesota, a 10-2 win over Arizona State, completing their weekend sweep, outscoring them 20-2 in those two games. Blake McLaughlin picking up two goals and an assist. He had himself a seven-point weekend. Seven! Seven for all of you friends fans out there. I'll let you guys try to figure that one out here in a second. ECAC action, number 10, Quinnipiac beating Clark, or tying Clarkson with a 1-1 score. End up winning the shootout, Peter Liberator, scoring for the Bobcats in the shootout. There was a lot of shootouts on Friday, guys. Check this out. Ready for this? Connecticut tying Boston College 3-3. Johnny Evans, a goal, and also the shootout winner, for the Huskies, they get the upset win over number one Boston College. UMass and Providence tie 0-0. Jackson Stauber made 28 saves. Philip Lindbergh for the Minutemen, 27 saves. Stauber actually made 17 in that third period as well. Brett Berard picking up the shootout winner for the Providence Friars. And Merrimack beating New Hampshire in regulation 5-2. Boston beating Maine in overtime. Robert Simone game-winning goal in a 3-2 overtime win over the Black Bears. NCHC action. St. Cloud takes a, gets a close win over the Miami Redhawks. Jackson Caster, 20 saves. His second win for the Huskies. Bemidji State playing their weekend sweep over Bowling Green with a 3-1 win. Zach Driscoll, 32 saves. As I now jump on over to Saturday, we look at the Big Ten action. Ohio State beating Michigan State 5-1. C.J. Regula and Colin Peters each getting a goal and an assist. Regula with the game-winning goal. St. Lawrence, another 4-3 game. This time they get the better of the Raiders. Caden Pickering, two goals and an assist in that game for the Saints. Quinnipiac tying Clarkson. Another shootout. Knights win in the shootout. So they kind of have a 1-1 split before their game on Sunday. We'll get to that in a second. NCHC action. North Dakota knocking off Colorado College with 4-1 lead or 4-1 win. Shane Pinto and Jordan Kawaguchi each getting a goal and an assist for the Fighting Hawks. Denver picking up a win on the road against Omaha. 4-1 win. Antti Tumost, Tuomisto and Yako Heikinen getting a goal and an assist for the Pioneers. Number six, St. Cloud beats Miami 8-2. Nolan Walker had himself a game in that one with a five-point game. And Duluth beating Western Michigan 5-1. Jackson Case getting a hat trick for the Bulldogs. Hockey East action. Boston completes their weekend sweep of Maine with a 5-1 win. Jay O'Brien, two goals in that one. David Ferentz with three assists. He had himself a five-point weekend for the Terriers. The New Hampshire Wildcats and the Merrimack Warriors tie and go to a shootout. Mike Robinson, though, 34 saves for the Wildcats, helping him out, getting the win in the shootout for the Wildcats. So they get a weekend split, sort of, if you will, with the Warriors, even though Warriors actually got three points because they actually won a game in regulation. Boston College got the weekend split with UConn. 4-2 win for the Eagles. Mark McLaughlin's seventh goal of the season was the game winner in that game. And UMass tying Providence. 1-1. At least they got goals this time in regulation. However, UMass picks up the win in the shootout, so they get an actual two-point, two-point split, if you will. As now we jump on over to Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday's action. Michigan State being Ohio State 2-0. Drew DeRitter, 28 saves. His second shot of the year. Tommy Apap and Brody Stevens, the goal scorers for the Spartans. Number Clarkson, hey, Clarkson, and Quinnipiac, they actually won in regulation. Clarkson did. Ethan Hader, 37 saves in the 4-2 win for the Clarkson Golden Knights as they get the week, they get two out of three against the Bobcats. Colgate beating St. Lawrence, another 4-3 game this time. The Raiders get it. A goal and two assists for Arno, Arno Vacone. Was it Vachon? Vachon, okay, Vachon. I was here and it was Vachon. Game-winning goal late in third period for Vachon, giving the Raiders their weekend 
victory, if you will, over the Saints. WCHA action number two, Minnesota State beating Ferris State 4-1. to one. Julian Pravink, Pravnik, excuse me, picking up a goal and an assist. Of course, Minnesota State won on Saturday as well with Dryden McKay picking up his 20th career shutout, now tied for third all-time in NCAA. Minnesota State now 9-1-1 on the year. Guys, they are dominant looking. They are running through the WCHA right now. NCHE action, North Dakota beating Boston College, or Boston College, Colorado College, 5-0. Shane Pinto, a pair of goals. Colin Adams, a goal and an assist for the Fighting Hawks as they get the weekend sweep over the Tigers. Duluth beating Western Michigan to win a sweep there. Ben Almquist, a goal and an assist, including the game winner for the number seven Bulldogs. Omaha getting this weekend split with Denver, 5-2 win. Isaiah Seville, 42 saves of 44. He's looking good. No games tonight here in college hockey. Holy crap. Actually, no, there's actually Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan going on right now. I forgot that game got rescheduled. Thought the weekend was canceled, but they're actually playing right now. Holy Cross and Bentley playing tomorrow, and Sacred Heart taking on AIC. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, your college hockey scorebar brought to you by our good friends at Second String Leather Company. Second String Leather Company. SecondStringLeather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Second String Leather Company. I'm wearing their shirt right now because why? Because it's cool and it feels nice and it looks it looks kind of good, doesn't it? Doesn't it look kind of snazzy? I mean, you guys can see it, right? I hope you guys can. All right, so here is the last half hour of the show, and I had a lot to actually talk about. Had some more injuries. Uh, Joe Thornton's out four weeks. Excuse me for the Toronto Maple Leafs has a rib injury. We also have Josh Manson out being six weeks with the Anaheim Ducks with an oblique injury. Some notes there. Did I miss any? Tim Stutzel's day to day. With the Ottawa Senators, he is currently, well, they said the report was they actually had an injury, which he did actually was in. He was injured during the World Junior Championships, but he kept playing because he was literally all Germany had, it seemed like, in that tournament. That's why he was one of the most, he was named the all-tournament team. He said that's where the injury is from, so I'll be on the lookout for that. So the last couple of things here, we'll get to the, I'll try to get to the what to watch for before the end of the show. Uh, we'll talk about the Washington Capitals, okay? Let's just, here we go. I understand both sides of the story. So if you haven't heard yet, four Washington Capitals players have been put on the COVID-19 list, COVID-19 players list where they can't play for four games, which is weird because typically with the National Hockey League, they just kind of say mandate COVID list and you don't just test them. And once you have so many tests negative in a row, you can go back in the lineup. The NHL specifically told these players you have to sit out four games. It's legitimately a suspension. Now, why, Tyler, is there a suspension? Because on the recent Washington road trip, Alexander Ovechkin, Dmitry Orlov, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Ilya Samsonov all were hanging out in a hotel room together. Now, yes, let's just, just get it out there now. What is the problem with that? Because the NHL has mandated that the players don't hang out outside the hotel. Don't, they don't hang out in the hotel rooms. There's specific areas in the hotel where they can hang out, but they can't hang out in individual rooms. Now, I get it. And Ovechkin's wife put this out on Instagram. What is the problem with them not being able? What's the problem with them hanging out with each other? You know, because they're in the, you know, they're in the rinks together. They're sitting next to each other on the bench. They're celebrating goals by hugging each other. They're next to each other in the locker room. Why can't they hang out in a hotel room? And I get it. I get where the, the conversation is. I get that they're mad because, but 
but they do this. Why, you know, they're testing negative. What's the problem? Where are they, where would they get the virus from? Now, yes, there have been players that have been put on the COVID list. You know, we talked about the Red Wings, Adam Ernie, Robbie Fabry, Sam Gagne, John Merrill, and Zadina all got, you know, put on the COVID list. Well, you know, the Carolina, of course, they the reason why they were out for so long because they had Warren Fogle, Jordan Martinuk, Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin, Jordan Stahl, Tuvo Teravine, and all having to sit out. Miko Koibu had to sit out for some time with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, yes, players are getting the coronavirus based on traveling. That's just how it's gone, okay? And that's how it's been. I mean, shoot, you guys watched Major League Baseball this year? Heck, for football, they made sure Lamar Jackson could play for Baltimore, okay? That's just, that's what's happened, though, because players will test positive for the coronavirus. That's just how it is. The NHL instituted these rules of not being able to hang out in personal rooms instead of a public public space, not public place, but like in a lobby area or a banquet room that's a little bit more open, a little bit more ventilated, so players can hang out and do their, you know, chatting there inside the hotel, not personal rooms. They put these in so they limit any possible chance of close encounters and any chance of them testing positive for COVID-19. I get it. I get the conversation, but they were in a locker room together. They are hugging, I, and I get that. And by the way, can we just say that how how Ovechkin's wife just went on Instagram and posted on both Russian and English saying they have the antibodies, so that means they're safe. First of all, I'm married to a nurse, which is also, by the way, her sister is a nurse. Her mother is a nurse. The antibody doesn't make you immune, guys. I'm sorry. It helps you fight it because your body's used to it, but it doesn't make you immune to the to COVID-19. All right? So get that out of your head right away. Just because, because at one point, my in-laws and my sister-in-law had COVID-19. They had to quarantine their house. They had to clean everything. No one could enter. No one could go anywhere from that household. But that doesn't mean they don't go out not wearing masks and hanging out because they have the antibodies. That's not how it works. That's not how the force works. If I'm quoting Star Wars, that's my wife's watching right now, actually. But... My point is, is that the reason why these rules are put in place is so they could play. Imagine, okay, this is going to sound incredibly selfish, but as you guys know, I'm a very selfish person. It's okay. I understand that. I can accept criticism with this. Here's the thing, though. If you are going to play, if you're, let's just say your boss tells you, Tyler, you got to do this. Tyler, you want to broadcast this year? Yes, Ryan, I would love to broadcast this season. I really do because I, I, I like working and I like calling games and I like expressing my love for hockey through a microphone. I do it here, but I, you know, like, I get paid a little bit more over there. But I, yes, I'd love to call games. It's fun doing play-by-play. All right, Tyler, you have to quarantine yourself off for two months. You can only see people in your household. And if you travel, you can't go outside your hotel room. Can't see any of your friends. Fair enough. It's going to be tough, but I get to do what I love. I get paid to do it. I'd like to do that. I'll sit in a hotel room by myself all day. I'll text my buddies. I'll, if you want to play video games with them, hello, you put the headset on, you play online with each other, you play local games, you connect, you invite them over on the PlayStation Network or Xbox Live or the hell they call it now. Yeah, I can, I can suffer. I'm sorry that I'm willing to make sacrifices to make, to do a job. I'm sorry that these four players, I get it guys. And I've, I've come across this. This could be an assumption but the Washington Capitals, I don't just don't think they just don't care anymore. They won their cup and they're happy and they're just going to have fun and play for the rest of their time there. They don't care. That's why they're mad. And Ovechkin, oh, good Lord. The, the statement put out by the Capitals, I get they're disappointed, but 
Ovechkin making a statement, really? Dude, that's the most half, you know what statement, actually, I can say half-assed, half-assed statement I've ever read in my life. Not even Ryan Leaf, for all of you 1990s you know, college and NFL fans out there, even his, his apology to the reporter that he lost his lid on, that was nowhere near Ovechkin, because it's a, that was at least spoken where he read on a piece of paper. Ovechkin probably had his publicist or someone from the team write it out for him, make it seem like he actually said it. Bogus, a bogus apology, okay? I'm sorry. If you're going to take your job seriously, then do it. The league is making sure that players are safe. If you want to hang out with Kuznetsov, Orlov, Samsonov, great. Then go down in the lobby, hang out. You can do it down there. It's safe. And the league's allowing it. Now, I, like I said, I understand the discussion and the response and the rebuttal of, but these guys do this. I get that. But if someone tells you not to put your hand on the stove, don't put your hand on the stove. Not that hard to understand, right? I at least think so. So I'm sorry that I don't feel bad for Capitals fans that are like, but why do you have to suspend these? I mean, I know it's not a suspension, but let's be honest. It is, it's a suspension for, for hanging out together. I, and I, like I said, I understand the reasoning behind it. But if that's the rules, if you want to play, you got to follow these rules. Tyler, you got to quarantine yourself if you want to broadcast. Okay, I'll do what I got to do because I like what I do and I want to do my job. Holy cow, how hard can it be? Now, like I said, they only offer a couple more games at this point. They'll be able to play Boston this weekend, so they'll be ready for those games. Anyways, I, I just don't, under, I don't understand why they think they're above the rules to do that. And that's going to give me some hot water with Caps fans, but let's be honest. You guys won your cup, be happy about it. Which brings me to... You probably guys could hear that pretty hard, couldn't you? I just slapped the table like that. Sorry. But let this brings me now to the play that happened last week that got everyone in a bit of hot water. I'll get to Matthew Kachuk here in a second. Because I was going to mention it with Cody Jansen, but we ran out of time with him. Because last night, Cody in the Leafs-Flames game, Matthew Kachuk late in the game was battling in front, gets pushed in towards Jack Campbell, but then actually jumped on him and drove his knees into the back. There are some people that were defending him, but I watched that playback. As a guy that actually likes Matthew Kachuk, I like the way he plays. He's a tough kid. Yeah, he pushes the line a little bit, but when you straight up jump on a goaltender, that's bad. And why am I mentioning this, folks? Because there was a hit that happened last week. Because I look at the Kachuk thing, I'm like, I get it, but enough people are yelling about it. The reason why... We are going to talk about a hit that happened last week is because guess what, folks? We are less than two weeks into the season and we have ourselves our first NHL player safety BS rant. Let me set the tone for you here. It's Vancouver versus Montreal. Just a simple game of the week here. North Division battle. Two good teams going at it. Montreal looking like a team that could finish top two in this division. Vancouver, that's sliding down. If they're playing shoots and ladders, they go all the way back down to the beginning of the board. Okay, maybe not that bad, but they're not looking too hot right now. Stars aren't stepping up. Brain hope he's looking good, but he needs to make a couple more big saves here and there. It's it's not great in Vancouver. But the game's going along, and here comes Yoel Army up the right wing side. He's gonna chip the puck in or at the red line. And here comes big Tyler Myers, six foot six of them, six foot seven, depending on how tall, depending on what day it is. Comes over and hits Yoel Armia high. Straight high hit. Now it wasn't a straight brainer, okay? He didn't go elbow to head. It wasn't classic Mark Savard, Matt Cook, okay? That was not the case in this hit. However, it was a blindside hit 
by Tyler Myers. On Yoel Armia, who, yes, it's a Tyler Myers is a big guy, so it's hard to hit not hit guys in the head. It is if you are, you know, not coming at a right angle. So here's Armia come to the boards, and Tyler Myers coming across like from the Vancouver bench and hits him. That is what we call, kids, a blindside hit, which, by the way, is a suspendable offense in the National Hockey League. Or so we thought until last week when the, the next day comes around. You're just waiting for the NHL player safety Twitter to come along your feet and saying, Tyler Myers will have a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety later on today. That's what you usually wait for, the typically the day after, right before the waiver wire hits, right? Because usually they announce about 9.30 Eastern time, 10 o'clock Eastern time, right? So you're just sitting there waiting for it, and nothing's coming around. You're like, wow, uh, they're waiting a little late here. Did did uh, did, uh, did George Peros set his alarm today? No, he didn't. Okay, well, uh, well, we'll wait a little bit. And then so I'm scrolling through my phone, and all of a sudden, here comes Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman, the voice of reason. Friedge, buddy Friedge, saying that there's going to be no supplemental discipline for Tyler Myers. Paraphrasing, of course. Which made me just go, okay. This is, uh, it's too early in the season for this, guys. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to be, hey, guys, the NHL's back. Let's have some fun. Hey, let's have some hockey, some high-scoring games, some close calls. Hey, let's have some fun. Now we got this. Okay. If you, first of all, if you're new to the Kuehl show, I don't think we had any problems with this in the playoffs, did we? I don't think we did. I don't think we had any really questionable hits. Because it's the playoffs, and the playoffs are just, this weird thing. Oh, yeah, there was the Kachuk and Blake Wheeler or Shifley thing. I do remember that now. But it was the playoffs, and Kachuk seems to get away with everything. So just I, I get the playoffs are one thing. Playoffs are a completely different ballgame. But during the regular season, you would think that the Department of Player Safety would, you know, protect the players like they're supposed to. The reason why I keep getting more and more aggravated with these plays. Is this the worst hit I've ever seen? No, it's not. Like I said, I was around when Mark Savard got brain, but that was back when player safety was just a couple of guys having beers, watching games like, man, that guy got brain. Hey, remember when Keith Primo got killed back in the day? Remember when Eric Lindros didn't play an entire year? That was fun, right? Oh, crap. We got to actually spend this guy. Uh, let's just find him $5,000. That's how it used to be back in the day. You know, when they actually started, you know, penalizing players. But nowadays, ever since Brendan Shanahan came along, Brendan Shanahan came in there and said, listen, guys, y'all are a bunch of idiots. And I'm going to tell you why. And they kept started spending players and penalizing players. I'm like, good. Clean up the game a little bit. That's what we like to see. And then he left because he wanted to go work with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. He works for my team now. Oh, that's good. Got the Shanna plan going. Great. Who are they taking over? Well, Matthew Schneider was there for a minute. Okay. But then he left and we got George Peros coming in here. George Peros. Well, you think, okay, well, that's, that's good. You know, he's a tough guy and, you know, he has, you know, he runs by the code, right? Works by the code when he played, you know, he's a fighter. So he knows what he, you know, what to do to keep players safe. As we have learned over the past few seasons, Maury's coming out here with a, with a manila envelope saying, well, uh, according to the results here, that is a lie because oh my goodness, how many times on this show, how many times in the league, have I literally had to yell and scream because of a stupid decision by the NHL Department of Player Safety? How hard is it to be your job when a guy gets a concussion? It was reported before, by the way, before the league announced, before player safety said they were not going to give him supplemental discipline, that Armia was out with the concussion. 
So there was an injury involved. Had it not been an injury, yes, we've seen it before. If a guy actually doesn't get injured, even if it is a dirty play, they don't penalize him nearly severely. But at least, you know, they would give him like a $5,000 fine or something cheap because $5,000 to a million-dollar hockey player is so much money they have to pay. But when a guy actually gets injured and is out indefinitely with a concussion, the reason why this thing was created is so protect players' heads and you don't do anything about it. Explain to me this. George Peros, a guy that has probably had a concussion or two in his time. He probably knows what it's like. Why in the blue blaze in hell is it that difficult to make a decision? He only had to make a decision at, for when Zach Cassie went after Matthew Kachuk because Matthew Kachuk did something bad too and they were going to try to kill each other the next time they played. He actually went to an Edmonton-Calgary game to make sure nothing happened. But yet, God forbid... A guy gets a concussion because of a head check. Oh, but he got his shoulder. Fine. Blindside hit, which ended up hitting him in the head. God forbid you actually penalize the guy. What? Oh, is this the first time Tyler Myers hit someone in the head? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you can get away with murder for free at least once. Where's that get out of jail free card that Tyler Myers had? What game of Monopoly is he playing? Seriously, George Peros. I, I, do you, is that what you want? You want these kids to feel your pain? I'm sorry, this is also the same George Peros that got his face bashed into the ice because of an accident with Colton Orr. I'm sure George Peros would think, I don't want any, I don't want that to happen to anyone else. BS! Here you are allowing a guy to brain somebody. Why does this keep happening? Your job is to protect players. And not once, not once in his time has he actually made a decision to that it's actually gonna protect players or actually set a tone and send a message to players. That'll actually say, hey, guys, don't do this, or we're going to make sure you pay. Tom Wilson's 20-game suspension is probably the only one that's an actual arguable decision that he's made that has shown that he's done a good job. Because every other decision that he has made, or lack thereof, obviously, has made it a complete and utter disaster of the Department of Player Safety. That thing, and I've said it before, I've said it this season now, last season, season before that, the very first season we did this show, back in 1718. I have said, I'm spitting. That's so mad I am right now. This has happened every single year under this administration because they don't care about the health of these players. They are letting guys run around like it's 1994 and these guys are trying to get on the Don Cherry knock, rock him, sock him highlight reel. This is stupid. They need to strip that whole thing down from top to bottom, get someone in there that actually gives a damn, and maybe, just maybe, I'm making sure I'm not running out of time here, just maybe, maybe someone will actually make a good decision. Get a guy like Keith Primo in there. I don't care if he's not in good standing with the league. At least he knows what it's like to have problems with concussions and how it's affecting him later in life. He knows what it's like, and he'll actually maybe protect these guys. He does not going to want them to feel the same pain he does. There's a reason why he's suing the league. There's a reason why he actually gives a crap for other players that are suing the league. Okay? CTE, yes, it's a legit thing. It's not just a football thing. It's a hockey thing, and it's a huge problem. And the current... Player Safety Department, Department of Player Safety, hasn't done a single thing to show that this league is actually making a turn for the better. I am sick of it. I don't like talking about it because this is why. Because it gets me so mad and angry because these guys are getting paid lots of money, more money than me at least, lots of money to make decisions for the betterment of the players in the league they work for. Their contracts or their contracts and their checks are signed by the National Hockey League. So they're supposed to protect the players in the National Hockey League. They have not done that consistently enough to prove that they should still work for this league. 
It's embarrassing from top to bottom, side to side. Probably my wife texts me right now to calm down. I'm sorry. This is a big problem. I, I just don't understand why whoever is in charge of firing people in the league, maybe it's Batman. Maybe it has a board of governors or board of someone to actually determine who runs this thing because it's a joke from top to bottom. Someone needs to step in there and make a decision to actually find someone that's going to care about these players and make decisions like they care about these players. I'm sorry that I've made probably made a few people mad because, oh, man, he wasn't that bad of a hit. I'm sorry. It left a guy with a concussion. He's out for probably two or three weeks, minimum. This ain't the NFL where Patrick Mahomes can get a concussion and come back the next week. I'm sorry. That's not how this works, okay? The NHL COVID, COVID, the NHL concussion protocol, they actually care about their players. They'll make them sit out a while before they can come back. I'm, I'm okay with that. But the fact that the guy that hit him and gave him that concussion gets nothing out of it is embarrassing. This wasn't like it was an accidental fall and hit his head on the ice where he got a clean body check and just fell awkwardly. No, this was a hit to the head and a blindside hit, and everything is riding towards the suspension on that. But George Peros says, nah, he's first-time offender. We'll add him off with a warning. Are you kidding me? It's embarrassing. I, I, whew. This league, it's not as bad as Major League Baseball. <laughs> that makes its fans want to hate the base, hate the league. But this league makes it hard sometimes because of stuff like this. Coming down now. Oh, okay, that explains it. The coffee's gone. <laughs> I was making sure how much coffee I had left. That was just pent-up rage. I Listen, because that happened middle of the week last week. So I've had a long time to think about this. I've had a long time on figuring out how I want to say this. George Perros needs to get fired. Anyone else, like that whole thing needs to get torn apart. Top to bottom. Everyone needs to go. Everyone. I don't, maybe it's not Keith Primo, but find someone out there that's going to spend, I'm not saying bring a fan in, but like bring someone that's had experience with concussions. Receiving, that's why Brandon Shanahan was the perfect guy. A guy that was a fighter, he played back in the hook and grab days when guys would wheel around with their sticks up high, throw those elbows up there, because he knew what it was like to have a concussion. He knew what it was like to see guys suffer from concussions after. He Shoot, he played in the same era. He didn't play with Keith Primo. Remember, he was traded for Keith Primo. That was the kind of the funny part of this whole story, if there is a funny part to this. But he saw it, and he understood why people should get suspended. And now the current administration, the Department of Player Safety, just doesn't see it. And now I may just made, made no sense for the last 15 minutes, and I do apologize for all of you that's still listening, but it's the truth. Okay? This, the league needs to figure this out. You want to keep kids in hockey. You want to keep the, you want to grow the game. Show them that it's, while even it is a dangerous game, it's fast. I know things happen but that you're trying to make it safe. Do that for, not just for me, do it for all the parents that, I'm like, man, I don't know, hockey is pretty physical. Show them that they're trying to make it safe because the only way you're going to make it safe is to show players that hits like that, attempted hits like that, is a no-go. You can't do that in this league. You penalize Tyler Myers, he'll think twice about going hard across the ice at Armia like that. Tom Wilson gets 20 games, 
finally someone now yes it got cut in half because of stupid third party with the players association but i that's a that was a rant back then i'm not going to do it again now i think it was 2018 preseason if i'm not mistaken oscar sunquist but there needs to be a change the whole thing whole thing please for for the game's sake no longer for my sake, so I don't just lose my voice every time I have to talk about it, but for everyone else that loves this game, everyone wants to watch this game from now on, do it for them, please. Oh, 10 minutes left here on the Kula Show in this Monday edition, January the 25th. Let's just check who the text Make sure that it wasn't like, you know, the homeowners. Oh, yeah, yep, that's Kelly. Tyler, calm down with all caps. Yep. I'm better, hon. I'm better. I'm glad. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I'm calmed down now because I... I that was something because I, I just I, I get it. I was a goaltender in the whole Matthew Kachuk thing. I I'm leaving that. If you if you want to see a good rant about the Matthew Kachuk thing, but go for it. Steve Dangles Lee fan reaction the LFR last night. Go check that out. He gave a good rant on it. I think he didn't he didn't go as long as I did because he had the rest of the game to talk about. But he had a good piece on that. If you want to kind of understand the play, go go watch the playback and then hear Steve's reaction sort of similar <laughs> kind of go listen to that. He'll give you more on that. Cause I, I was mad about it too, but not as mad as I was about the Myers and Armia hit because there was no, there's no chance for a rebuttal on that hit whatsoever. Let's get to the, what to watch for this week. No, only one game tonight, Ottawa and Vancouver. They don't start till 10 o'clock. So that's why we don't have the game on here in the Kula show studios for you. So we couldn't give you a live reactions to it. However, a couple of real good matchups coming up here. The Saturday-Sunday between the Bruins and Caps. We mentioned that with Ovechkin and the guys coming back, hopefully, for that one. It'll be Chara's first games against the Boston Bruins since signing with the Washington Capitals in the offseason. A couple of good games there between two teams that are, you know, looking like they could finish towards the top of the division in the Eastern Conference, Eastern Division, even though I just said the Caps don't care. But I don't. Listen, I know what I say, and I stand by it. Tuesday-Thursday matchups between you have the St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, this is interesting because, A, they're all both in Vegas, but they're Alex Petrangelo's first games against his former team as well, and they're against a really good Vegas team against the Blues team that's, you know, kind of iffy right now, so we'll have to definitely watch those games to see how St. Louis does, excuse me, against a very good and very confident Vegas Golden Knights team, and I wonder how St. Louis is going to react. You have Jordan Bennington probably going to get a game, maybe both games in there. He needs to play better, so there's going to be a lot of expectations in that those two games between St. Louis and Vegas. Also, Tuesday, Thursday matchup, a matchup that I didn't think I would ever talk about, at least one team, the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils. The 3-1, I think 3-1 New Jersey Devils? I, I said they're going to be Detroit bad, but, you know, the Red Wings have looked okay in a couple of their games. But since when in the heck did the did the Devils decide to get good? Let's make sure I got this right here. They are 3-1-1 one, one right now. The Flyers are 3-2-1. Man, I, I tell you, and they get they have a click, and, they have, and it's weird, too, because they have Mackenzie Blackwood and, if I'm not mistaken, Scott Wedgwood has their two goaltenders right now. Let me quick click over on their stats here. Yep, Scott Wedgwood. And for all of you, that's literally the epitome of this is when Team Canada was bad in the World Juniors. They had Mackenzie Blackwood in 2016. Scott Wedgwood was in 2012. There they lost to Russia in the semifinal. I remember Wedgwood because Wedgwood played against the Americans in that tournament in the round robin. And only Wedgwood only has the lone regulation loss. I mean, 
and I know I harped on this, guys, but I said, like, Jack Hughes can't be that good. He's not going to be that good. Jack Hughes is looking pretty good, guys. He leads the team with seven points, three goals, and four assists in his first five games. Ty Smith coming in here. And Ty Smith was, you know, he's a guy that I was kind of shocked because he's in his rookie season, and he was a really good defenseman in the WHL. He was a little bit undersized, but he really ran a really good offense. So I was excited to see how he do in the NHL level. I thought maybe with New Jersey, he'll get a lot of playing time. He's got a goal and four assists. He's a point-of-game player right now in the NHL. Actually, no, he's got a goal and five assists, six points in five games. So he's off to a hot start. Now, like I said, a lot of things could taper off, but New Jersey's looking pretty tough there, guys. That's going to be a fun team because they remember they beat the Rangers like twice. I was like, wow, the Rangers. Are they are the Rangers bad? And they lost to Pittsburgh yesterday. And I thought Pittsburgh was going to be bad. Now they're all of a sudden a team that's capable of winning some hockey games. Tristan Jari is looking pretty good. Casey DeSmith is a good goaltender. Okay. Starting to realize my predictions may be a little off, so we'll have to keep tabs on that for sure. Last two matchups we're going to talk about here, Saturday, Sunday, Stars and Canes going up there in a Central Division matchup. Dallas, because A, they've they had a couple of good games against Nashville. We'll see how they do tomorrow against Detroit. But that could be a good game because Dallas hasn't played a whole lot, but Carolina hasn't played a whole lot either because of COVID. So they'll be an interesting matchup. Will there be any rest for Carolina? And by that point, will Dallas's offense still be as hot as they were against the Preds. So there'll be a couple of games on Saturday and Sunday. Also, talk about the Avalanche struggling and the Wild doing well. The Wild and Avs go up against each other Saturday and Sunday. And we'll see if Cam Talbot, I mean, he was day-to-day last time I checked with the lower body, but Capo Kakinen, he's been looking good. If he, you know, if I think if he keeps getting some games in him, get some, get a little bit of momentum, some repetitions, he could be a very consistent goaltender in this league. And Colorado has been Man, they had the one blowout game against St. Louis, but they, other than that, they haven't really looked all that impressive to me. And I said that before earlier in the show. So those will be a couple games to really watch for come this weekend. Obviously, a lot of hockey going on. Like I said, the NWHL, they're going to go through the rest of the week. Saturday is their last day of their regular season, their round robin at least, before the semifinals and finals of the Isabel Cup coming on the February 4th and 5th. Like I said, we'll try to get someone on next week. I have a couple people I've been chatting with, but got to make sure that their schedules work out because I want to make sure people can, you know, show up on the show and, you know, chat and stuff, because I, I like talking to people. It's fun. And I th- I like to think, you know, you guys had fun listening to those guys, right? Thomas Biondo from In The Box Podcast talking about Detroit. Cody Jansen talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Line getting traded for each other. Those were fun conversations. We'll have highlights of those on the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram sure, for you guys. We'll also have, they'll be on, obviously, on the replay of this episode. If you're just catching us live here at the end, I'm sorry. We'll make sure you stay tuned though for 12 on sports. Cause we've got talking Myers with the rando next here on the network. Be sure though to check out the replay on YouTube, 12 ounce or on the Kuehl show YouTube channel. Also catch it on 12 on sports as well. Also your favorite podcatcher, the Kuehl show to search it, whether you're on iHeartRadio, you're on Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast. I think we're still on tune in radio. Are we on audible yet? I don't know if we are yet. That Amazon one. We are anywhere and everywhere that your favorite podcatcher is because, you know, we want to make sure we're accessible to everyone. Some people like some apps, some people don't like others. So be sure to tune in there. Thank you all very much for watching this week's episode of The Cule Show. We'll be back next week with more great stuff, more hockey to talk about. And and, and I just and I just I just really hope less yelling and screaming because I'm pretty sure my wife will appreciate that as we found out today. So be sure to tune in next Monday, 6 o'clock here on 12 Ounce Sports. Use the hashtag TK as we talk about the episode. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Kuehl Show. Talking Myers next here on the 12 Ounce Sports Network. But I'm Tyler Kuehl, and I'm signing off, saying thank you once again for watching this episode of TKS. We'll see you next time.
Goodbye.